0: I don't know French. If you want some, I'll give it you. Yeah. lost so fast, all that I had, but when it's time to, I'll fight for you, cause you know you are, why I've come so far.
1: episode 175 and it's me gary p and of course prof why are
2: you singing my name
1: i like that actually got a, a, i'm not too bad am
2: i but we survived we've made it an entire evening without whatsapp i know it
1: was strange wasn't it and do you know what would you know what made it even worse do you know why i wanted it to come back because of all the shit
2: jokes it's like, oh, hey, you don't have WhatsApp? <laughs> go and read a book. <laughs> All right. Oh, I just talked to my wife there. She seems nice.
1: <laughs> yeah, I <I'm> have a wife. <laughs> She's nice. <laughs> Fucking virgin.
2: Get away from me. Everyone just flocked to Twitter. I was like, here's a picture of a cake I baked. Yeah, go and be a real person. I wanna. <laughs> Normally, I put this on Instagram.
1: How about actually read the book?
2: But it actually threw me off For a couple of hours Because every Every two minutes i just pick up the phone And I'd be like Oh I better let Brian know About Oh yeah Oh hang on I better <laughs> Oh yeah It was just like that for but ages But it's the
1: first The first Day Let's say without a phone Let's say you lose your phone The first day without a phone Is hell
2: Because mm-hmm.
1: you're like Oh shit I need to do this I need to do that But then the next Let's say it last another two days You're just like I'm free I am free <laughs> Nobody is attacking me On the phone Or on Twitter, or uh, no one's ringing me, I'm free. Need you just start enjoying it. There you go. There you go. Yeah, that was WhatsApp now. So, we're going to talk about the win over Derry last week. And we've interviewed with Eamon Sharkey about Rovers' new partnership with goal. Carlos will chat to Alan O'Neill, 1996 player of the year, in his latest latest installment of our series. And it's done versus Rovers on Friday with Big Al, the legend at both clubs. So, uh, big, big show coming up, Prof. Um, last week's we had a lot of love for the intro Matt O'Dell said the best intro ever into the podcast Found myself on the bike You know, <laughs> and as it's going I'm like doo, 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 doo. I'm an awful man for cycling with no hands So I'm there
0: going
1: this
2: is a chill That should be easy enough to sing in the stands Definitely it?
1: get it going in the south stand It'd sound great Very easy It would sound great um, Of course our sponsors Leicester Credit they are helping us out with the player of the year awards and wait until you see this trophy prof it is a monster
2: i saw it i was it is magical i was very impressed it is beautiful it's beautiful and pristine and uh
1: the ballon d'Or, as Jaden calls it it's going to be a cracker and we will get you fans of tifties to vote for your player of the year and it is going to be hosted in the four prov november 27th this session to end all of the sessions and it is going to be a possibly a league winning title party possibly the launch of a podcast beer it is going to be one hell of a night
2: well so listen up sponsored by Ocean Electrical <laughs> and Leicester Credit Doing good at electric stuff who got your back
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: they're going to use that they're going to use it you should trademark <laughs> that whatever way you do it you should trademark it well oh, I get the domain sorted now
1: um, yeah so a lot of love for last week's show and deservedly as well, Al from the Junior Hoops. The opening to the fifties this week was spectacular. If anyone hasn't listened to the first two minutes, you must get them into your system, read them, hear them, inve- in d- them devour them, Prof. It was a brilliant, brilliant intro.
2: I think th- this is our 175th episode. I'm pretty sure that's the first intro that ever went over two minutes. It was the, it was the yeah. longest ever. Should have went longer.
1: We all, I was only starting a groove. Get <laughs> the groove on on the bike.
2: I think I'll only use that team for late winners in inch car. Yeah, cause I did it in May as well.
1: Um, yeah, so Patoy on Twitter, the famous Patoy, getting twatted on Twitter, getting twoted on Twitter. He does he doesn't listen to the show, but I think a friend of him told him anyway. <laughs> he said, "Good interview with Dan Lafferty on East Down Pod. Big fan of his when he was with us. Hope he gets a good reception tonight from the Shamrock Rovers fans."
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sorry, I just I was drinking some water there. The um, famous Patoy. Yeah, the famous plateau you are. Um, Jason Maloney, of course. Great tribute to Jimmy Keane from all involved. Always remember those Sunday nights debates in the White Horse and he was always determined to be so positive and we'd win the battle to save Milltown. So, some greats talking about some some passed away greats.
2: Johnny Wilson. Jimmy was one of the good guys. And we have a quote from Ray Wilson. He said, Brilliant tribute to the one and only Big J, Jimmy Keane. They broke the mould when Jimmy was born. His love for Robbers and his commitment to the club was incredible. It was always a pleasure to be in his company and massive crack. Proper Robbers man, decent and generous. We owe him him and his ilk so much. As has been said in the podcast, he was a true Robbers legend.
1: On the hoops. Great stuff as well. Um, Yes, so Prof, the Tifty Shorts deadline, they're flying out as well. But we will be cutting it this Sunday. No more t shirts for you. None. So we're going to get the orders in.
2: Let that be a warning.
1: Get your act together. Get your act together. Get your orders in. Get your merch. A limited amount. Here's <laughs> our t shirt. There's a limited amount. Get your orders in. We're going to order them because once we order them, that is all we're ordering. We get pre orders in. We give them, let's say we get 40 XLs, 45 larges, two smalls. We'll go to them and say, that's the order. That's what we want. You will not be able to purchase these again. Don't and if you make them yourself, we'll sue your ass.
2: <laughs> Don't be that person who messages on Instagram or Twitter in three weeks' time and says, Oh, I never got a t-shirt. Is there any left? Don't be that guy who texts and emails
1: a different t-shirt campaign <laughs> and says, Have you got the t t-shirt that has nothing got to do with you? <laughs> oh yeah, I've plenty of sizes, mate. So get them into it. We are on Big Cartel. Google Tifty's Big Cartel. Check us out on, you can get us on Twitter, on Instagram as well. If you need it, you can get through Revolut if you're not too handy. But get them, avoid the PayPal link. PayPal are jackasses. PayPal are actually jackasses. I don't like PayPal at all. They're very hard to deal with. I did everything manually over the phone yesterday and then they just didn't apply it to the system. And then I did it on the app. Didn't work. Went on the desktop site. Didn't work. You will all get your t-shirts, do not worry, but don't use PayPal.
2: Fuck PayPal. Because they're jerks. This is the hatred. So get user merch, just like Con Murphy, he got his merch. Yeah, he looked great, didn't you he? You saw him at the game, he was rocking... His head it. looked so dry. Rocking that bubble hat. So comfortable. He said he needed it too, because it was quite a shitty night. Although you wouldn't know, because Gar was actually wearing shorts.
1: Once the upper half... <laughs> Is okay. Me and Liam Regan Gimarange formed one sensibly closed person with the two of us. He had mm. short sleeves. I had the short shorts. So my short shorts and his short sleeves made one of you. His long shorts and my jacket made one other warm person. And what what did Dale look like? Your first time meeting him, wasn't it? Dale, yeah, because I didn't even see him for us. All I heard was
0: tiffies, podcast friends, <laughs> Arsenal. Yeah.
1: Uh, I you know typical teacher head on a you know, All the teachers' union were out and force, and they were great to meet. him, great going. Hope you had a ball because, to be honest, there probably wasn't much more you could have asked for in that game. All action packed, great crowd. Maybe a couple of red cards or a pen, but brilliant. And I'm 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 thinking he's might be getting pushed over the line there. Just push him over. Little, little push.
2: We were given a little tip that if we were to sing green ribbon, that could tip him over the edge because that's his favourite. Arsenal song
1: and it got a rendition at the end prof mm. it got a rendition at the Presumably end because
2: they sing Red Rim is it yeah so but
1: very uh, very happy and it, we have to be happy with that I mean it was great it was great night great football and some some cracking football some really good mm. football to watch and great one for the neutral so hopefully the teachers union
2: will be back just to cut another couple of notes remember Peter Walker he uh, sent us in that impressive Mark Bertram impression <laughs> so that 50 euro voucher will officially be on its way to you <laughs> Uh, tonight, as I'm speaking, and James Lowell I've totally lost track of what we all you at this stage in terms of prizes. So we're going—you're going to get a free copy of Rings End to Talla, and a point to Guinness in the four praws on Friday. Yeah. And then, then we're square. That's Pro- it. Probably. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, that'll do. That'll do. A point and a book. It's a
1: fantastic, fantastic prize. Yeah.
2: What more do you want? What more do you want?
1: So, Roddy, article the Star Prof and Albert McCready on holidays in Spain. Big Al, who refuses to come on to the show. Al, if you hear us, please. We just want to talk. Um, and Roddy, Roddy Prof is interviewing Roddy for the Rovers documentary. And we're going to get Roddy on the show as well, eventually. But it's going to be a total different story to take me home.
2: Yeah, this was quite amusing because um, I I always had Roddy in mind as someone to interview maybe towards the end for the documentary. But I hadn't said it to anyone. I hadn't said, "Oh, does anyone know Roddy, or does anyone have a phone number for Roddy?" I didn't even really think about it until last week, and I was like, "Ryan, gonna ask ask around." Literally that day, you rang me and said, "I know someone who knows Roddy. (laughs) If you so, I have a have an in there for you." Then I went to the game on Derry like the next day, and Mick McCarthy met him. I was like, he says he'll do it for you, Carol. Roddy, he'll do it for you. (laughs) Then I read the star, and I have Albert McCready saying that he's going to get Roddy on the Hoops podcast, inverted commas. I'm being bombarded with Roddy. You're being jizzled with Roddy. I never said anything to anybody about Roddy. It's a Roddy Collins Bukaki. All of a sudden, they're coming at me from all angles at Roddy. Oh, Lord. You go, but uh, that article in the Star was about he, he's sick of the PR spin from managers. He likes managers to give honest answers, like uh, Guardiola and Klopp, and he hated the Bruno Fernandez apology over the penalty miss, which yeah, was, was ridiculous. But um, yep, yeah, that's 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 our Roddy. So can you
1: tell them the outcome I want from my interview, with Roddy? Tell them what I, what I said to you.
2: I don't think you should say that publicly. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We'll see if it happens. See if it, if it happens then, and
2: then we'll we'll admit to it. Then we can think back to this conversation. Um, but um, just a note on, like I said, I was chatting to Mick McCarthy, and he was in Vancouver for a few weeks, and he wanted me to mention something. He wanted me to thank Sean Feary, Alan Rockford, and Dara Murphy. He says the three of them are avid listeners, and uh, they were singing our praises, Gear. Over there in Vancouver Oh good stuff They said uh, the show yeah, keeps ultras.
1: them Sean, We had Sean on the show Yep
2: yeah. so, Says uh, the show keeps them Well informed And uh, absolutely Absolutely love it Dara is uh, Does landscaping And he has the earphones in All day listening to us Oh there we go And it keeps them going
1: Absolutely killing everything in sight He's in one of those Ride ons And he's got the earphones All Oh you can hear <laughs> Cats <laughs> And
2: Other little creatures Just getting sewn up yeah so that was That's a message from uh, Vancouver Hoops In Johnny Fox's pub So thanks for looking after The senator
1: Vancouver Hoops In Johnny Fox's pub <laughs>
2: Yeah so uh, Prof You've come across Some um, merch I believe Some old school VHS Well, I can say that again Garrett. I, I am now the proud owner Of a VHS tape Of the 1998 game Against Aldi Spar In Turkey Have you got something Playing on? I have a DVD VHS uh, or sorry, VCR combo upstairs which the last time I, I inserted a, a VHS into it, it it ate it. And ripped, so, so and it. ripped the tape out. Yeah. So I'm not <laughs> willing to chance the Aldi Spar in that one. But now I like to get it converted digitally. That's that's the goal. And use it in the documentary. obviously. Yes, there you go. But I uh,
1: wouldn't mind watching the action.
2: But uh, that, as as Jim it's Jim Conroy who gave me this. As he's handing me, he's going, Now, Carl, that's that's a, called a VHS. It's
1: called a VHS tape, Carl. <laughs> and you and, see, you stick a pen in it, and you turn it around. And I'm
2: just nodding. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, I collected hundreds of them when yeah. I was in school. Yeah, I'm aware of what it is. And then he hands me cassette tapes. And this this is a cassette tape, Carl. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I lost them when I was younger. Yeah. Does he think I'm twenty one years old? <laughs> that was all we had was tapes and tapes. These jokes don't work in me. I'm aware of all this stuff. But no, I'm absolutely honored. That that is an incredible gift. Yep. Like how rare Which
1: really, I'm looking forward to watch. How so. rare
2: is that? And he recorded it himself, remember? I mean, he? he did. Yeah. We'll see how the camera work is. He was over there and he re- yes. No no he didn't record it with the camera. He went to the game. Oh, did it and, on the whole game Was televised yeah. and he recorded it, yeah. But well, yeah, what a gift that is!
1: Members' meeting, prof. Town hall, October thirteenth. It's been a while. I think it's June since the last one. Why the excuses, prof?
2: Why hasn't there been a town hall? First question: Away tickets. Yeah. Second question: Away allocation. <laughs> Third question: Away tickets. <laughs> what, what was the What was he saying in The Simpsons? Fourth question:
1: Where's my shoe? <laughs> <laughs> there was a bloke who did that before in the job. There was really, really bad news came down the, the, the pipeline, and it, someone came in to confirm it. One of the big wigs came in to confirm it. They were closing down the Cork Mail Centre, which is jobs gone, people's mortgages down. The swanny, you know, really, really worrying times for people. And someone puts his hand in and goes, "Someone says, okay, has any, has anybody got any questions?" Someone puts his hand and goes, "Where, where, could I, where can I get a pair of trousers?" <laughs> what? We're looking for a pair of new trousers. You all the unpushed ones. People have lost their jobs <laughs> All you want Is fucking trousers Swear to god That happened
2: I Bet he's a Rawers fan as well
1: Oh god No do you know what He's not I can't even <laughs> say Because he'll find out who he is Are you going yeah. to use
2: your real name Now Gary remember this time no, no more Where's my brick
1: Where Yeah Don't, don't be confusing them. So remember me me Yeah probably Hopefully we get a bit of clarity On certain issues And situations And What's going on in the club And That's, that's Hopefully it's a lot, a lot of stuff cleared up so we, up next, Prof, we have Eamon Sharkey. He is Goal, Director of Fundraising, and of course, Sean Roberts member. I'm a member!
2: We're joined now by Goal's Director of Fundraising and Marketing, Eamon Sharkey, uh, who also happens to be a long-time Hoop and a club member. So Eamon, good to have you on.
3: Thanks, Carl, for having me on. Big fan of the podcast. Delighted to be here.
2: <laughs> Thanks for saying that. Thankfully, we have uh, survived the super scary WhatsApp, Facebook, Instagram outage <laughs> last night. Are you doing okay, Eamon?
3: Yeah, it was a bit a bit of a bit of a shock, all right. Didn't know what to do with all that spare time, but got through it okay in the end.
2: They were particularly affected in Longford, I noticed, but uh <laughs> but
3: Longford had all sorts of trouble, yeah.
2: <laughs> we'll talk about Sharon Garber's partnership with goal in a little while. But uh, first of all, how did you get into following Rovers?
3: Yeah, I um I started with Rovers actually playing schoolboy football when I was, I think either under 11s or under twelves. Um so that would have been sort of 95, 96. So just starting with the club there, up in up in Talla in Kilt-Hipper and and as you do, you're playing away, but you started going to the games, um, and just going along on a on a Friday or a Saturday or, or wherever it was, and I just got into it that way, and then sort of followed it along for for a long time. Spent a few years abroad, so missed out on it on a patch for a good few years. But then once I got home, I was able to kind of get back to the games. So. Uh kind of think of Rovers in two periods, sort of the early days that, that I was at all the games and the more recent years. So uh, it's great just to have them up the road. I'm, I'm from Furhouse, from Tala originally. So um, yeah, obviously I've got that local connection.
2: So when you started playing for Rovers, uh, what, what sort of year are we talking? And What's your earliest memories of, of games?
3: Yeah, the, the games, the sort of team and the games I remember are probably around the 2000 or maybe 2001. And like the players that, that stand out to me from that period were like I said, Mark Kenny, uh, Tony Grant, Derek Tracy, Derek Tracy, fisherman, massive hero. I think he was just always such a brilliant player for us. And like he, he almost got better as he got older. He had a great couple of couple of the last seasons with us. Um, and just the, yeah, the kind of heroes that kind of flitted in and out of the club at that time, like Billy Woods and Paddy Dean's. Paddy Dean's absolute hero would always bang one in from about thirty yards away as well. So I think we got a, a, a we weren't winning anything around that time, but it was from great memories of the, the teams around that that period um and yeah just kind of got into it that way and i kind of really kind of felt in love for the club because they were a tough time for the club too it wasn't it wasn't glamorous around then so you kind of had this this core of fans that that went anywhere were really committed and you couldn't help but love that and be, be attracted to that kind of as a young lad going along to the matches
2: we saw many home grounds hadn't we santry was in 2000 <laughs> tolika daily mount Richmond park did you head out to some of these places
3: yeah 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 for some of them stand out to me like we would have been as you say all over the place but um Tolka for some reason I I picture a lot of games in Tolka Daily Mountain and and, uh, RDS as well but yeah it used to be and like you were on the buses back then so it'd take you about two and a half hours to get to a game and then you'd be the same on the bus home and you'd be freezing cold and you'd barely any money for a bag of chips or anything but um same thing great memories and yeah like Paddy Dean's banging one in and the crowd going wild and then you'd yeah, two-hour bus trip home, great times.
2: So you played up to until the 21s. Uh, any notable coaches or teammates who went, to, went on to play for the Robert Senior team?
3: Yeah, yeah, a couple. Um, so when I got to 21s, Barry Murphy, the goalkeeper, would have been my year going up from probably under 15s. Brilliant, brilliant fella, just a lovely lad. And um, like we wouldn't have picked him as the one that would kick on. There were some absolutely brilliant players, sort of, on, on my year and the, the years around me, and Barry was always good, but you never thought maybe he'd, he'd go on because he didn't have the height for a goalkeeper. But he had this unbelievable spring and uh, really committed and, and dedicated to it. So he kicked on. um Cafo, Paul Caffrey was a year ahead of me, so we would have trained with him a lot. Same thing, just an amazing touch for, and he had he had the physical presence as well. I know he didn't spend too much time in the first team, but uh, kind of really good player, and then. Podge Almond actually was a year behind us. Um, and the, fir- the way he came to the club originally was that there was a couple of lads from Carlo on my team who kind of were brought up to-, to rowers at my age. And Podge used to come along, I think, then and-, and started to train a bit with us and then went on to-, to bigger and better things. Great player as well. So there was a couple in there, but um, yeah, they're the ones that kind of stand out.
2: Uh, do you have a favourite robbers player before and after Tala?
3: Before Tala? Um yeah, like I don't know, I'd probably say like Mark Kenny is an absolutely mad shout. I know, but I used to love him in the middle of the pitch because he just had this touch that was that was incredible and uh, didn't cover much ground, but just was able to control the game and probably Derek Tracy as well. I used to play in the middle of the pitch, um, so I loved those two. But then lads like say Shane Robinson, lads who are really exciting footballers were really down the down were always brilliant. After um, Ronan Finn, I, I just think Ronan Finn's an absolute hero. Same thing, just the the. Like He's got this basis of just being a hard-working grafter, but on top of that, you bring talent and, and just scale around the pitch. So I know he's been a great servant for us over the years and, and switching out from the middle out to the wing. But uh, yeah, he kind of stands out to me. as just a real club man as well.
2: Uh, no Dundalk tickets for this Friday. So normally we'll be uh, travelling to uh, Dundalk. But do uh, you have a favourite away day in the League of Ireland?
3: Um. I remember the like the year we were in the first division. We used to go to Discover Ireland uh, uh, League and get around some some good fun times on that. Probably less because of the the stadiums, but more because of the crowd. Um, I love going to Daly Mount. I love everything about it, just the the build up to it and the the feeling of tension around it. And then sort of it's an awful place to go as well as an away fan. So I always kind of enjoy it, even though it's miserable. Um, but yeah, yeah, that probably stands out. Daly Mounts always means a big day out.
2: You've mentioned 2006 a couple of times there. I actually interviewed Barry Murphy and Pat Scully for the documentary I'm doing last weekend. So that will be up in the podcast sometime this month. So a lot of 2006 chat uh, coming up on the podcast for you to look forward to there.
3: Yeah, brilliant. Like Some of the times that the club wasn't having loads of success were sometimes the best times. Um, you kind of felt close to the players too. Like you could be down down at the sideline and because there wasn't packed stadiums, you kind of felt close and you'd be having a chat with them. And, was a small that small group, so great, great times, even if it wasn't sort of the most successful silverware-wise.
2: And have you ever done Europe with Robert?
3: No way, no way, games, no, no. Never brave enough for, <laughs> probably more broke than anything. Never had the cash in the bank to get away, but uh used to hear the legendary stories and, and all that, so it was brilliant listening to them, but no, never got away. Maybe in the future, hopefully.
2: You're saying you don't want to go to Scandinavia on a Thursday? <laughs>
3: <laughs> actually sounds deadly doesn't it <laughs> better, better, better than Dublin on Thursday evening but uh, yeah now the things are opening up maybe and, and we're back able to fly and all that uh, the next couple of years well, we'll be able to get away to one somewhere maybe a little bit nicer than Scandinavia Barcelona or something like that would be nice
2: we like to ask people about their own experience of the, uh, the cup win in 2019 kind of what was their day at the Aviva so what was your day
3: yeah, um, got down to Ring's End that day, uh, had a couple of pints and, and walked up with, with the massive crowds, just like an unbelievable buzz. I, I went in with my dad and an uncle and a couple of mates, so it was real kind of the, the lads who would go to most of the games. and have been around a long time and just, I suppose, the whole, you're, you're trying to savour it all, but you're trying to have a good time, but you're nervous as well. Just the whole thing kind of runs through it and then. Yeah, the build up is brilliant and, and the crack that goes with it. And then trying to trying to I think a picture of it in snapshots like the lads on the pitch and, and the people around you and sort of looking at each other saying, like it's finally happened again, we're we're back and all those things. So just brilliant memories of it and yeah, kind of snapshots of the days you went. But I think a mixture of like almost I don't know why, but nervousness as well as sort of just excitement about the whole thing.
2: Were you a nervous wreck during the penalties?
3: Yeah, all over the shop, yeah. <laughs> yeah
2: so uh we'll talk about Goal now uh a humanitarian agency and um as director of fundraising Eamon when did you start working with them and tell us about your role
3: yeah yeah I'm with Goal uh just over four years now um so joined joined a few years ago now great organization have to say um really kind of a group of people who are hard working really believe in the work that Goals does I'm sure lots of people know what to do but if they don't in really simple terms i call it like we're a humanitarian response agency so if there's an emergency a natural disaster like an earthquake or a, a huge storm um a tsunami goal is one of the first agencies in helping people start off with the basic things like water and shelter um, and then move to trying to help get people back up on their own two feet so they can they can they can sort of support themselves in the long term so um that's what we do. I'm on the fundraising and the marketing and the communication side of things. So I think my job is to kind of tell the stories of our, of our staff in the field. We work in 14 countries around the world, places like Ethiopia and Syria, Zimbabwe, Honduras, Haiti, um, and the, the teams on the ground are just amazing people. They, they, they really work on the front line up against the most difficult challenges and the hardest to reach places. So you kind of, I, I see my job is just telling their story to the Irish public Um and the Irish public are just so, so supportive. They're so generous. I think everybody knows Irish people are are always generous, but you really see it. There was, a, there was another earthquake in Haiti only in August gone. And I think people remember that 2010 earthquake that really shook the country. And so it's it's still familiar or still, I think Haiti has a special link for people in Ireland. And straight away when the earthquake happened in August, just gone, people were very generous with their donations. And, and we can kind of say hands on heart, those donations go straight to the field and where they're needed most. So just an honour, it's a great privilege to be a part of Goal, uh, a long established organisation since 77, but actually what kind of stands out to me the most, and one of the reasons I love it most is that Goal has had a sort of sport in its DNA since it started. It was started by a a sports journalist, John O'Shea, Um, he was almost like the Eamon Dunphy of his time, he'd pick a fight in an empty room. (laughs) <laughs> and uh but he was very good at mobilizing people and getting them getting them behind things so he used to pull in sports stars tennis stars GAA stars football stars to to get behind the organization and promote it and 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 help kind of fundraise and that sporting identity has stayed ever since so um that's kind of a nice it makes it, it makes us a bit different than it makes it a nice place to, to be a part of
2: so people would be aware of the, the link up with Robbers <clears throat> it was announced last week so they've seen the um, the goal signage uh, at the south end stand of uh, Tata Stadium the club are supporting Jersey Day that's on October 8th so tell us about Jersey Day and what other ways Robbers will help Goal with promotional and fundraising initiatives
3: yeah yeah the partnership is absolutely brilliant I have to say thanks to Dennis and Mark at the club and the whole club generally for getting behind it really really good of them um we want it to be a big broad partnership that goes on for for a long time. we said at the start that we wouldn't neither side wanted to do it if it was token. Uh, we really wanted to make this a proper partnership that we we both work hard on. Um, and so I think we're doing that we've we've kind of said this year we'll focus on Jersey day as you mentioned and then the goal mile coming up to Christmas uh, and that would help to get us started and then over over time we'd build it up even more so Jersey day, like all things that are successful and and last a long time, uh, it's simple. It has a simple sort of idea behind it. In that, anyone in their job, in their company, or in their schools or their university, um, on October eighth this year, sticks on their jersey, their favorite jersey. Doesn't matter if it's football or or GA or rugby, whatever it is, and uh, and gives a small donation to go. It could be two euro, could be five euro, whatever someone has. Um, and we've had huge pickup with companies and, in particular, schools this year across the country. We've hundreds and hundreds of schools taking part, and and they get you get great crack out of it. So if you're in a workplace and everybody's wearing their their jerseys, there's there's good slagging and there's good banter and all that. So Rovers have been absolutely brilliant. They promoted it um, on social media on their website, and then on the at the game on Friday night against Derry. it was on the loudspeakers. The players had their their bibs had had were featuring the goal logo and all that. So. They've done a brilliant job of promoting it and, um, and helped make it a big successful event. And at the end of the day, all that income raised, like I said, goes to people who, who are in need around the world.
2: Yes, yeah, so I saw some promotional photographs you did with uh, Mark and Dennis at the stadium on your, your, your hero, Ronan Finn. But um, you were at the game Friday as well. So this partnership is special for you because like we've just been talking about, you've loved Robbers for a long time.
3: Yeah, it absolutely is. Like it's it like it's kind of unique. I never kind of expected something like it to happen. So like you're a Rovers fan of one part of your life and then you have your day job. And most of the time these things don't cross for you. Um, but I got in touch with Mark a few months ago and I sort of said, listen, we'd love to do something which it feels like a good fit. and uh, goal sporting organization and rovers, the the biggest and the best club in the country. Um and he and he sort of opened up and said, Okay, tell us your ideas, tell us where what this could look like and, and we'll we'll see if it works. So I was nervous the whole time we were building up to it because I just wanted it to happen so much. And I just think it's such a great fit for for both organizations. And I think it 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 positions both organizations well. It talks about like it kind of speaks to the values of rovers and um, they're community-based, they believe in sort of having an impact and, and doing brave things. And uh yeah it's sort of really special to be able to bring those two things together and, and genuinely make it something special and, and good for good for overs good for goal and good for all the people the communities around it
2: there was a real buzz around the place wasn't there on Friday uh, the win over over Derry what did you think of the night the performance and everything
3: yeah yeah there's definitely a buzz going there the nine points I think we were on Friday with the game in hand and, and we're extending that so um, yeah it's getting exciting I thought there was yeah great atmosphere on Friday I thought we kept the ball really well like we always keep the ball well a couple of, I think Derry got into it for sort of maybe 10, 15, 20 maybe towards the end of the first half. But I think really we were comfortable throughout, kept the ball well and created chances. So, listen, I think the lads on the pitch are doing a great job. Bradzer's doing a brilliant job. Um, and it feels like, yeah, we're we're getting there. But always touch wood with these things. Don't don't say anything.
2: It was some backheel by Rory Gaffney. He was man of the match and possibly player of the year in a lot of people's minds. Uh, who will you pick when the voting comes around for the award?
3: Yeah, I thought he was brilliant. He had a brilliant first half and he led the line so well. Um a couple of others, I I love Gary O'Neill. I think it doesn't get always get the um get the credit. I think uh at the back, uh Pico was amazing, Same things and brilliant. So yeah, it might be might be one of those I'd say will probably get it for me. But um there's a couple of games left, see, it, see how they do for the run in, if anyone can steal it.
2: So you can register. Register to uh, be able to chance to win a training session with your school uh, with Shaman Grover's players, so just visit jerseyday.org. I was looking at the site earlier, Junior Hoops are third in the list of uh, donors, although it's not a competition. But uh, nearly 3,000 raised last time I checked, them
3: Yeah, it's going really well, and uh, yeah, the Junior Hoops are playing a blinder. Um, I think it's a really good prize the club have put up, so as you say, um, if, if anyone's listening, if their kids are... In school, they fancy getting uh, some of the Rovers players along to give a coaching session. All they need to do is, is drop the teacher a, a text or a WhatsApp or an email and see if they want to get involved. It, there's still a f- still time to get involved, even if it's not on the eighth; it can happen the following week. And uh, and yeah, the kids that have um, have hopefully Ronan Finn, who's come on as a goal ambassador, and a couple of the lads along to uh, to teach them some tricks and some skills at the school. So brilliant prize and. Uh, a bit of fun for everyone but a good way of again to raising that awareness and, and funds for goal.
2: speaking of school, and you and i went to primary and secondary school together and before we came on uh on zoom here you just looked at me and said is that carol roddy from school
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 you can go nowhere you can go nowhere yeah. gosh um yeah lo- there you go long history and uh and actually our school is is um our second school is very involved in Jersey Day too. They they raised over a thousand euro last year, which is absolutely absolutely unbelievable. So I actually went back there and gave a talk to a couple of the classes. So all these different parts of life sort of coming back and overlapping with each other. It's a bit mad, but but brilliant as well. And I think probably more than everything, it shows you that rovers is genuinely is a community of people who who stick around. So even if it takes you a few years to come around and bump into the same person, it will happen eventually.
2: They haven't asked me to come back and talk i don't know why i'm still I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting by the phone here but uh i'd say you'd have loved Roberts players dropping into st joseph's or, or mcdarra's back then when you were a kid for a kickabout because it makes an impression on kids isn't it they become local heroes that sort of thing
3: yeah 100 i think like when when these guys walk in into your into your school or out to the yard to kick a ball around like you're looking at you're looking at professional footballers and all most lads want to do when they're when they're young is grow up to be a professional footballer, and I think definitely it seems to me that of course everybody wanted to grow up to be a Premiership footballer, but more and more they're looking at the uh, the lads in the in the league at home, and they're looking at Rovers players, saying maybe that that's my hero rather than Ronaldo or Messi. Maybe it's it's Ronan Finn or or, or someone else on the pitch that uh, that stands out as their hero. So I think you're right. It inspires. It can inspire boys and girls, not just boys, but um, yeah, great prize in a great way, sort of demonstrating rovers committing to the community too
2: and last question it says in your twitter bio that you specialize in insects uh i don't remember learning about the creepy crawlies in our classes in mcdarra's I mean. Uh how did you end up studying that
3: no no you've misquoted me there uh it says specialization is for insects and, <laughs> right. uh, it's, a, it, it's a quote i heard somewhere before and uh, i think that the point of it was that um I'm not, I'm not really good at anything. I'm just sort of okay at lots of things. So I, it sounded like a, a good, profound quote that sort of backed that up. So um, yeah, specialization is for insects.
2: So you must love what the balls are doing with the bees at Oh, uh,
3: The wokest bees in town.
2: <laughs> right, that's it, Eamon. Thanks so much. Uh, like we said, Jersey Day is uh, Friday, October 8th. So great seeing you again after nearly 20 years. And uh, thanks so much.
3: Yeah, see you again sooner than that this time. Thanks, man, Carl, really appreciate it. Yeah, so prof, the shark.
2: Amo Sharky. Very cool name. Yeah, a bit of a school uh, reunion there, wasn't it? Yeah, it's Eighteen cool. years. Small world, isn't it? Is that what you used to call him? The shark? I don't think I've ever called him a shark, no. Jaws. Not only that, but he lives in Crumb as well. Which he controversially called Kimmage. Based on where where he described his houses, that does not sound like Kimmage, so there will be words over this.
1: Right, a lot of gangsters and charlatans trying to call it casual Kimmage <laughs> Not a chance. Now.
2: Yeah, he said he'd been listening to the podcast uh, a good while, and it's not that he didn't f- remember my name. He just assumed that wasn't me. It wasn't until my face popped up that he, he, he made the connection. But mm. uh, in um, in Saint Joseph's primary school in Terenure, is the posh one prof, wasn't it The posh one, yeah. We had a PE league. And uh I was chatting to Eamon and off fair about squ- this. I think
1: it was a squash.
2: <laughs> yeah, Eamon I remember was was a really good player. I was I was okay, I suppose, but but I mainly liked to do was keep the stats and I'd always track the results and the goal because that's as far as my little ten year old imagination could stretch. Just mm-hmm. just goal scores and and he reminded me of something I forgot. Yeah, we used to keep the scores on the whiteboard. So uh but I feel like my stats have come on since then. I think Eamon will agree with me. <laughs> but uh no good great great cause Eamon's evolved in goal uh, so register for years there. He is our Jersey Day <laughs> on October eighth. Don't just wear a
1: jersey and rock around here, please donate. Okay, everybody, you must donate. So we came from behind prof we do uh beat 32 one in talent on Friday with all three goals in the first half and the golden goal coming at six minutes please can we get the star, scoreboard operator or whoever operates Twitter to realise when goals are scored zero to 59 seconds is one minute a
2: mm-hmm.
1: Fi- uh, minute and one to a minute and 59 is two is second minute please try and understand that because <laughs> you are causing absolute chaos <laughs> in the in the WhatsApp group it's every week isn't it every week it's the number before it, okay? So, yeah, and we had, uh, who, won, who won the 200? Mooner, Mooner's bro, Mooner's bro. He's not real, he, I don't think he's even real. <laughs> so, that is that. Bradzer, Bradzer, Bradzer. Yeah, so Bradzer, he picked the same team again, Prof. And I might be looking at the same one myself, but tour straight game, Sean Cabinet and Hoare were back on the bench. Don't think they've done enough to kind of start, to, to get a in place. <laughs> So, the build-up and the buzz, Prof, um, I'm loving I'm loving the walk up to the ground more and more. I'm loving... The car park is back open as well, which is all good. But the build-up, the buzz, everything was flying. 4,000 sold out. Allocation gate, we won't talk about.
2: <laughs> Too many people trying to snipe each other. Yeah, there was a great buzz around this game. And uh, slightly dampened by the deluge of rain. Yeah, but the buzz was built up by
1: the fact that these are on for as well and they've mm. got a few quid behind them now and it's mm. it does it builds it up and it Build- was a very very entertaining first half yeah, it was great. a cracker it was great uh, Hooperman ah listen just been told there's a new suit for me that's been waiting at had since March 2020 it's all too much Hoopers so Hooperman even getting involved I don't think it might fit in prof. he might have to drop down a couple of pounds since Covid
2: and do you know who else was back for the first time since March 2020 I don't know if it's a coincidence or I'm suggesting that he's Hooperman but Conor O'Sullivan Conor O'Sullivan oh, possibly yeah
1: glad to see that he's he's all better now he had an illness
2: his first game back since sorry not even March February so great to see Conor back in the stadium uh, doing his job and uh, just he, keep the gargantuans to a minimum to a minimum please yes but uh, he's a bit of a backlog there with the podcast he wants to listen to every single episode he doesn't want to miss one but he has an enormous backlog. And you know he's far back when he says to me, I just listened to the Terry Palmer one. Jesus.
1: Backlogs. and I ah, know. Come on. That's that's long form. ago was that? That is bad form. We have 4,000 sellout. Okay. So loads and loads of fans. Loads of Academy kids. Uh, no, sellout. You could probably put in brackets. Because we technically didn't sell all our tickets, a lot of certainly when you kids. looked
2: around the stadium at the five to eight, it was it was like, mm, where's the rest of them coming in?
1: Yeah, I was like, where's the other two thousand? But I was looking at the allocation where Derry could have been. There was a popcorn fight going on. I was like, well, that's
2: that's Derry. That's where Derry's supposed to be. Yeah, the academy kids were, uh, when we the team, <laughs> they've cheered everybody's name. So I was like, number one, Alan is
0: yeah!
2: <laughs> Number 26, Chris McCann.
0: Yeah! Oh, no, I, don't, I
2: don't think they even... No, did. they actually did. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> the cheer for McCann was the same as everyone else. That's the innocence of children, Ger. Yeah,
1: yeah. You have something to go on there, Prof. Stream issues. The club issued a statement last night's live stream output and that of the other Premier Division games of Finn Harps were affected by technical issues at the platform owner. This was reported at the time as being pursued by the league. Um. Yeah, I know some last night as well in the Longford game as well, Longford and Bows. So it was taken over, but we were at the game, Prof. <laughs> yeah,
2: so it was a bit choppy, unfortunately. Um, I didn't, I didn't watch it back. I just watched some of the start and the half time and stuff to listen to uh, to Graham Garton because he said he was using my stats, or uh, to be exact, Dan Lafferty's stat about uh, you know if you take form since uh, Higgins came in, they'd be second. So he used that one and he said, I got that stat off the lads in the Tiptys podcast. I was listening the other day. Ah, good stuff. There you go. I, th- I think he used the three clean sheets what in Was that it him that said
1: if me ma had wheels, she'd be a bike? I don't know. i didn't never heard oh, that thought overusing, overusing that. It was definitely used in a football sense because someone was saying, oh, well, if Rovers hadn't have won like five late games in a row, they'd be fourth. If me man had wheels, she'd be a motorbike. You know <laughs> someone said it I'll find out who said it it's very good though get in
2: touch whoever said that
1: yeah does your man have wheels is she a motorbike Um yeah so the stream issues we dealt with that the minutes applause applause for Brian Murphy and Brian Lockers O'Loughlin so I love a minutes applause I don't think a silence is suitable anymore for anything
2: yeah two great hoopers
1: two great hoopers so, so definitely yeah all for applause I, I, I just something about silences. they don't do it for me anymore I think it's more respectful like it was me i don't want everybody to be going, yeah, come on, as if we scored a goal, you know, flares and mm. the whole lot. So uh, we move on to the game, Prof, and straight off the bat, we were down 1-0, Dan Lafferty, 6-minute. McGonagall, I uh, just sing his praise, and he got, drew in for a foul, and whipped in, whipped in with pace, and laugh empty on the fire post, and just buried it. He actually, it was a better goal from the front than it was from the south stand.
2: Awful defending though Awful defending oh.
1: And we don't even know Who we
2: got away from And they call that The old podcast bump uh, Because players who appear In that podcast Score goals Although in this case Kind of backfired Yeah Nub Yeah uh, I'm nearly in the doghouse Of Brazzar over Thank god we won the game Go on No I just mean If the, that had won them the game You know what I mean There was whispers That it would have been In the doghouse that's Oh all, yeah That's all I'm saying Prof getting the sack from yep. the from the tunnel and he was free later on wasn't he he missed he missed a sitter he got free again Lafferty oh, 100% missed a header that was possibly even easier
1: so uh, definitely yeah, he came in from the middle and it was it was blatant really was blatant he should be scoring those putting us to the sword um, Yes, yeah, so
2: after our three clean sheets in a row we're we're a goal down after six minutes so that, yeah, that was a oh, shock oh, but done with goal. He responded I mean. really well yeah
1: Tell shot <clears> par- par- parried away Tell parried away
2: it's been ten minutes in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the first fifteen minutes of the game, we were st- we had actually The flurry of chances where we won a few corners. I think Pigo headed one over. He was unmarked, so we we were battering him at this stage. Although Al did make a big save as well. He did. That save was the one that came at him through a
1: barrage of legs. Didn't know where it was coming from. He just took a chance. He just took a chance and he dived and it, it spilled the wave, Mum. But he was straight onto it again. That was a brilliant, brilliant save. He just yeah. literally took a chance. If That view from the south stand is perfect. He just decided to dive right. And I knew, you
2: know, yeah, because I was in the main stand. I knew when I saw that, I was like, oh, I bet you that is much better than a looks from here. I was like, it's one of those where I want to see you from behind the goal. And um, so our equaliser came at what was our best spell in the half. And you were right. You were saying it was a corner. I said it
1: wasn't. It came from a corner eventually.
2: Hmm. Yeah, what a ball this is.
1: What a perfect delivery. Absolute whippage. Whippage, accuracy, absolutely everything on it. And just gets floated in. And Grace, Grace was brilliant for the header. You know, how he jumped.
2: Yeah, I love that he hangs in the air and heads across the goal. So, Ronald Finn, by the way, with that cross. So, brilliant cross, brilliant header for, for 1-0.
1: So, in the driving and Then we started to push on then, Prof.
2: We had. Well, no, uh, we didn't actually push on. That's what I'm saying. We equalised at the height of our best spell, and then we started faded away a bit. Mm. And then we came back strong again at the end of the half. I thought Danny.
1: I'd, I'd been giving out about him I'd been giving out about Danny up until his goal in 45. And I was thinking to myself, Danny's done nothing.
2: He was very quiet.
1: Like he did nothing, and then he scored. Obviously, I get. I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for Alexei like Maloney. Look, look, go!
0: Take him off! Take him
1: off! <laughs> I know you didn't actually say take him off. I said he's not doing much at the minute. It was a certain Matthew O'Dowd who wanted to hollow off.
2: Yeah, this this was a lovely move as well. So Barry Cotter, surprise, surprise, in this runs at the Derry defence, sets so, up, but should be an obvious one too with Rory Gaffney. We're hmm. all just we're watching Cotter run, and we're like, okay, he's yeah. gonna give it back to him out of nowhere. He back heels to Danny Mandroyu and we all just turn our heads and go
0: Whoa. what
2: nobody saw that pass. I don't know how Gaffney saw that pass. It was unreal. Hmm. and what about the like we said, the run, the finish
1: absolutely everything brilliant. How about hmm. this fl- back heel Central? I think the back heels that we pulled off in this game was ridiculous, but Danny hmm. still had a lot to do touch and slid into yep. the corner.
2: Great excellent, finish.
1: Excellent
2: finish. Some of Gaffney's ball control in this game, it would make Joey and Dahl wet himself. It yeah, was, he's, he's that good, isn't he? Yeah, some of it was just a joy to watch. So that goes to half-time, gear. Yeah, so half-time, McDarrow did a promo
1: piece for the new book he's co-written on x uh, Excellent stuff there, Prof. Really, really happy with it. You got to be, don't you?
2: Yeah, nice little promo by McDarrow. I'm, I'm kind of glad that uh, my documentary promo didn't air... On this occasion, considering the stream problems, so it would have oh, been, no. so been a lot of,
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: of that. So, sorry, McDerry, but um, get user book anyway. Get user book, get Tantal where you're at
1: mm-hmm. And of course, we had Dan Lafferty. Yes, we know he's on the pitch. We had, um, yeah, so half time prop. Gareth's
2: tired, everybody, in case you hadn't noticed. I've
1: had a long week. I've had a long week. I'm struggling here. Struggling. <laughs> I'll get there. Um Yeah, we did that. <laughs> so yeah, so we talked about the first chance of the second half with the Gaffney header saved. Uh was this from a bit of whippage and um, how many yeah. corners had we had, by the way, in the first half? Twelve? Ridiculous a amount. Nose, Overall, yeah. we did a mad amount of corners. This wasn't
2: this was this save was as good as ours, I'd say, by Gary's side. This was a great save.
1: Yes, so Gaffney with a header saved and um a good second half, Rob. Love shooting into that. We couldn't suck the ball into the goal, like you said.
2: No, on this occasion, no. Uh, it wouldn't we weren't brilliant second half where we but we looked comfortable.
1: Mm. Thought Grace was brilliant. Thought Watts was brilliant again. He just keeps going and going and going. His mentality has changed so much. Um, who else? Gannon, another solid game. I thought Tell was a little bit industrious, a little bit. Harsh on him for some of the criticism he was getting about that. I thought he was good. He was busy in the middle of the park.
2: He had another shot that just went just by the post. Yeah. That was our other notable Towards chance.
1: Towards the south stand again. Yeah, it was close. But, uh, it was close. Yeah,
2: Grace has, has been a bit underappreciated, hasn't he? Since he's come back from injury, no one's really singling him out, I wouldn't say. But no. he's, his performance has been excellent, especially this game. He was he was very, very good.
1: I don't up. And Ferugia came out. I was delighted to see ferugia And I was thinking to myself... Right, could he possibly get injured here? Is he a bit fragile? And he was straight in. Straight mm. in, getting stuck in, whipping balls across, <laughs> taking players on, just looking like they owe for Really, really good. Great yeah. to see him get at these players.
2: There was a great one where he got past the fullback, put in a great ball into the box. I think it was was that the low one? And then just behind me, after he does that, I just hear He's back, baby <laughs> <laughs> But um as for Idemo Uh, A lot of people talking about this one where he goes in this great run. I think it's, was he sort of just outside the box? Yep. And he runs across it and a real sly reverse pass into Aaron Green. Dirty,
1: dirty little reverse pass. Never expected. Something to
2: myself, what's
1: he going to do? He's going to shoot, he's going to lose
2: it. And then he does that. (laughs) Very unexpected. Um. And he'd nearly set up a goal for Greener. Pity he hadn't finished that because we would have been talking about this goal for years. Oh, man, it, it was that It was that good.
1: Unbelievable stuff. So, really, really happy seeing Idaho getting this game, doing well. And so, post match scenes, prof, uh, the the songs rang out. She wore, rang out. And Milltown Road and California, all these fantastic old songs rang out. And um, the scenes. Mm. And I got to stay and actually clapped the fans because it wasn't a work straight after. After training, and it's nice. It's nice to be able to just clap the fans and appreciate them. I've or know clap, s- the,
2: clap the players. I've known some of the players have been going over to the east stand the last couple of games, maybe because the, in this case, the academy kids were there. Yeah. And uh, Kieran at work, he got the cotter selfie girl.
1: He got the cotter selfie. Got
2: the Carter selfie. What a prized possession that is. <laughs> but uh, Pat Comartin, this is his experience of the of the south stand this day. He says. My mouth is still sore from Mitzi accidentally punching me in the mouth celebrating a chance. Celebrating a chance? A goal, I presume he means. Don't think he noticed. And uh, other things of note was um, when Rory Gaffney got, got I think it was when he got subbed off uh, someone showed the real Gaff and Robbie Gaffney said Me love child! Yeah, me, me love yeah. child doc and I'd like to thank Graham Garton for picking Rory Gaffney as man of the match. Uh, I think he was doing me a favour there. Remember, I said in the show I wanted to, I wanted a shot to him. Yeah, yeah, there you yeah. go, yeah. But he was the obvious choice. He was, he
1: was really good, he was brilliant, yeah. he was marauding throughout.
2: Yeah, definitely a man of the match. And I had the Gaffney Junior fan club behind me as I was talking to him. I had to compete with. A huge what? gang of kids shouting and screaming <laughs> as I was talking to them. They wanted every, they wanted his boots, His shin guards, his socks. They want the law. Does the no other socks that fall down? Yeah yeah. All that. So that was it. Good night, good three points. What does it look like now, prop? It's looking like
1: thirteen points needed. So um We hate predicting games. You hate predicting games, I know that.
2: That's thirteen points if Pats win every, all their games. So we we just need thirteen points. We need 14 points So we can go 4 wins I think our goal difference is A good bit better than theirs too Isn't it so 5 wins 5 wins will do What's left I haven't even checked 5 wins
1: 5 wins in a row 13 there points go. There we go The We are winning So Oh hold on now So if we get 4 games We win our 4 games We only need a point If Pats keep winning So we can mm-hmm. draw we can, we can effectively draw Like that That dead game so, the story in the mirror goes like this Stephen Bradley is tight lipped on his ambitions outside Shamrock Rovers, insisting he's only focused on delivering another title. But the Hoops boss feels young managers and coaches in the League of Ireland should be bold about their aspirations. Just like players, Bradley, 36, had been in charge of the Tala Club since 2016. While he was once a full time employee, he revealed yesterday that he is now on contract.
2: That was so, a bit of new information. Yeah, that's
1: new information. So, you can't play in football. You can't play in football. If I turn around to you and say I want to manage X tomorrow or X in two weeks' time, you can lose a few games and you're sacked in football. I can change so quickly. All my focus is getting on winning the league and then we'll put a plan in place for where to go. Whatever else sees in the future, I'm a firm believer that we, you, what, you will be, or what will be, will be. What's meant for you won't pass you, boy. It's league and then sit down and have a good conversation with the chairman and the board and we'll see. So, not is he hinting is he hinting prof he continued on anyway and he said we're in a really good position to retain the league I hope we drive it home and once we do that it's time to sit down with Steve McPhail and the board and put another plan in place where we're going to go and how we're going to do that I'm obviously young but let's see where it takes us it's about taking this one getting it done first and then we'll talk about it now that's a bit of a scary statement that's look that's telling me he's on the verge of if this league puts it in the bag he's gone
2: well no he's being asked a question he's not suddenly making statements
1: no but it is a bit tricky he's like probably it's... being
2: asked things like oh you were linked with MK Dons there weren't you well it was a very loose link so uh, no I'm not too worried about
1: that I'd imagine that Um, he's he's got he's not got one eye on something else but he's definitely looking at his own stock and he's thinking to himself Okay, if we get another league here, that's two leagues and a cup in three, four years. I mean, he could look at himself with a bit of... Um, there could be a bit of prestige wrapped around him and he could he could end up getting taken to some European club. Don't forget, I think they're a team as well. You can't really just take Bradzer You're going to take them, you're mm-hmm. going to take them all, don't
2: you? He's leaving the door open there, but he still... He wants to get us to group stages. So there is unfinished business there.
1: Right, so Prof we are going to talk about other results. We have drawn it nil. Pats 1 with a late, late screamer. They got their own late, late goal. It actually was a screamer.
2: Yeah, the shoe was on the other foot there, wasn't it? Because they're so used to hearing about our late goals and cursing yeah. us and this time they did, they did it in, uh, for Pats.
1: Uh, harps 2,
2: Drogs, or Dundalk 2. Thunday uh, again, two goals for him. Didn't know he was from Belgium. I know, yeah.
1: Sounds quite cool. Doesn't
2: it? Um. We have Longford one, bows four. Dino again. Sligo one. Warford one. Uh, so, Garrett, can we hear Mark Bersham's thoughts on something? Uh, first of all, that a man named Ronaldo Romario Green exists. That's an actual name of a real human man. And second of all, that he's a footballer who has signed for Waterford in the League of Ireland. Mark, Mark, what's your thoughts?
1: All right. I'm at the side of this striker. He's a fucking cracker. His name is Romario. Romario. Ronaldo Green. He's fucking wibbly wobbly,
0: mate. Fucking Ronaldo. Fucking Romario. You fucking tell me he can't score a fucking goal. You fucking tell me he can't score a fucking goal. Romario. Fucking okay, Ronaldo!
2: can't why is he so angry with his new signing that was Mark Bertram and uh, did you hear Conan hadn't... Byrne talking about um, Georgie Kelly saying like he'd be mad to leave balls and yeah I think and he's dairy. right I
1: think, he an, I think he has an issue there he has, he has a Like he's right because Georgie has bounced around for ages now I agree with him yeah and he's finally scoring goals finally happy he's doing his masters I think as well so He's mm. doing what he needs to do. He's scoring goals, enjoying his football. Why change that? Well,
2: if he wants to win trophies, he'd probably have to do both.
1: He's not going to win any trophies at balls. Yeah. Score goals, there's trophies.
2: Mm. But Derry, of course, all the talk is about their money next season. Their owner has sold his, his business for 2 billion.
1: No. 2 billion. Oh, put that day. into
2: perspective, Gar. Don't. The Nice lottery is 19 million euros. So he could lose that down behind the couch <laughs> and not miss it. Probably has. Sitting on it. It's quite a lumber. <laughs> Morrow, I just catch lumber. Fucking wads and oats. I keep going from Cockney to Nardy in the of a minute there. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, so the semi-final prop. No interest in
2: it. Move on. Um, well, the I- only interest is that <sighs> it's the Bows Cup semi-final will be four days before our game. We're playing Bowes in the 18th. So it'll be interesting to see what Long will do there. Can he prioritise one over the other? Will he wibbly wobbly? That's not how Key Long speaks. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, um, it, oh, I don't know. What do you think he's going to do? I've he done. has to prioritise the cup. He has to win a trophy, doesn't he? But he, if he prioritises the cup and loses to us and then loses the cup... And then be fabulous. They fall too far behind fourth. Wouldn't that be fabulous? It would be fabulous. I think we should uh, we should
1: instigate that. That's how we're gonna go. Plus the dressing room isn't what it seems. It's not what it seems, prof. There's <laughs> there's rife and mortar and skullduggery going on in that dressing room. I so, take that little left water they have he scored again. He scored an absolute worldie which is a word I don't really use. How do you say it?
2: Worldie worldly word or world world worldy it's can
4: like you say a
2: goal like that? it's like a goal out of this world all right do you say that yeah wordy can you say it like that that's the real dub way now i'm just worldy worldy
1: worldy no i'm not gonna use that i don't like it i'm just gonna call it a cracker that's and cracker
2: we should really edit out all this. <laughs> Let's just, just go on.
1: This is valid. Valid <laughs> discussions. wordle Right, Right. Uh, yeah, Shelburne. Yeah, so the Cups any finals. They'll probably be on Friday night, October 22nd. So um, we'll probably have a game that night. No, we won't. Maybe. we have a night off. We can might head down to one of them. won the fourth Division, prop uh, Steam rolled it pretty much. Big budget. Premier League team players slash etc etc. The Northside Derby is back. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no hope for the team that is currently second or third in that division of going up against the likes of a Waterford or a Dundalk. I think Waterford have come across come along too much. they well, well. I think Dundalk mm. will lose to a team like that. So unfortunately, it's going to be a really really tough. Dundalk one
2: won't even be in there. They'll just <clears throat> when the game comes, they always do it enough. To win the important game. That's why they're yeah. doing well in the cup. That's why they do did well in Europe. When so they just it, yeah. need to get results, they will get it. Yeah, you're looking like at Waterford there, yeah. aren't you? Waterford in, yeah. the, in the playoff. So, it it is kind of exciting between Harps and Waterford. But then again, is it? Because like you're saying, I just I don't fucking fancy Waterford. Galway or UCD to beat those teams. But. In the fucking playoff. <laughs>
1: yes so sure. Shalvan won the division and they are boing 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 they are back up probably back down next season interesting question posed by Matty O'Dowd said could this year be the closest hardest pick player of the year in a long time it is it is is there stand standout it's very very tough think about it there's no standout I can't pick one and we have our old 50s player of the year which is going to be tough
2: like there'll be three nominees and Georgie Kelly will be one of them because he'll be top scorer by a mile but then who very, very, very tough. I'd say if you're Finn if you're, and Gaffney should be content.
1: Can't be Manus. Finn is up there. Lee Grace's second half season form, second half form, mm-hmm. it's been brilliant, but probably not enough to put him up
2: there. Danny Gaffney Watts. Forrester had a superb first half of the season.
1: Yeah. I don't know man. I really can't it's a tough one. The next six games are gonna be huge. That's what it's, got. it's gonna be the decided there. Someone will step up. Now, Pro <clears throat> we really, really like him. Barry Carter. Yeah, Barry Carter, that's it. He's been nominated for the League's <laughs> Player of the Month award. He got our club on already. He's bound to take this one home. Like a marauding gazelle gone through Richmond Park and Talla he was absolutely brilliant. It's terrifying. If he's running towards me, you know he just kick the ball and run. That's
2: what I'd be doing. I'll come one on one with him. He is a terrifying prospect. Um yeah, that's that's quite an impact he's he's made since coming in. Already nominated for player of the month. Absolutely brilliant. Rare the for month. rare for a defender as well to make. Yeah, are many, do they? Quick impact. Sean Boyd nominated as well. So obviously, I want Barry to win the award, but I, I'd actually I'd love to see Sean win it as well. Sean's um, a good lad. Danny Mandroyu won the club's goal of the month award for his free kick against Waterford. <coughs> wordly. It was a wordly, yeah. A
1: wordly. It was actually a lovely, lovely one. That was the controversial free kick that we spoke about. Um, yeah, Braddy Carl. Graham Bork appeared on Talking Bollocks podcast. Um, I don't think we're podcast friends with these guys. Are we, professor
2: We're
4: not
1: friends. Not friends. I don't know much about them. I've never listened to it. I might give it a go. Although something about that, I listen. I listened to one for about ten minutes, and I just thought to myself, I don't like this style. Don't like the the technique or what the, the way they can condo- I don't know something I didn't like something I didn't like but I'll give it another go see I'll, how sh- we, I'll check out the
2: Berkey ones yeah check the Berkey ones that'd, be yeah. that'd be the measuring stick yeah
1: so we have seen little work on the fourth stand prof it's going to start in spring which is big 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 are we going to move into the south stand will fans move into the south stand in the or north? into the north the will north? they move will they stay oh mm. it's going to be very interesting isn't it what's going to be in it are they moving the bar there? I can't wait to see it
2: finished. It's bad that we have to make these decisions again. After making the the big one from the east to the south. Yeah, yeah, Which yeah. ended up being a great decision. But, um, seem to get delayed a few times, isn't this construction? It was supposed to be done at the end of the season. Yep.
1: And then you're going to have to decide. it it's spring. Um, yeah, there's a couple of a couple of big big decisions to be made, and I'm hoping that the club is involved with the council in doing this, and I hope mm. it's not a council thing where they, they we just turn up one day and like they eh, just stand, <laughs> like oh what about the the corner flags, the way we put them in, mm. well, no no corner flags, no, mm. get them yourself.
2: We're thinking a nice green and white seating system. No,
1: here's some yellow. No blue, yellow, and <laughs> what about the wheelchair system? No, put them on your shoulders. On your
2: shoulders. Like can you just listen
1: to our yeah. club. Listen to our club and talk and have power power meetings and think tanks and broke on the Talking Bollocks podcast and as we said the work on the fourth stand is flying up now. It's not, it's gonna be flying up in spring. I love watching. They actually um they they film all this. They just keep
2: a camera on it. I know what you're talking about, I've watched this. It's cool. They did it with the machine and work. They did it for the cell stand, it's on YouTube. Yeah, so you just you And I'm actually gonna put it in the documentary oh, the sped up footage. Oh yes. So they have they have it in work as well where the machine
1: is just being built. I think you're there, just being built around you. You are <laughs> one with the machine.
2: They didn't know notice me there.
1: Yeah, just like, build around him, he's grand. <laughs> uh, so we have the Bowls game in Tala on October 18th. It will be televised on RTE as well. So, unfortunately, it's in Tala, so it's good. But it's going to be a tricky one. This is going to be it's going to be interesting to say the least this fixture so mm-hmm. if we keep going the way we're going what are we now we're on the 18th is it possible to win the league in Tallaght against Balls if we win all our games and Bowles and Pat's
2: lose a couple yeah it is possible to win on that night depending on Pat's results yeah. so other results
1: are dependent but we can actually beat be, be Pat's or beat Bowes in Tala and win the league with no fans none of their fans in there mm-hmm. I like rubbing it in their fans' faces, though. So, it depends. Maybe let two in.
2: Well, I think hell is going to freeze over <laughs> before any both fans are allowed into this match the yeah, way things are going. Yeah, I think
1: that's the way things are going at the moment. Let's not talk about the war,
2: Prof. Very interesting. Because we will have to pick a side. Very interested to see the Sligo allocation next mm. week. That's yeah. going to be interesting.
1: 400, lads. Go on in. Yeah. Fill your boots. Um, underage results, Prof. The under-19s came from two goals down to draw 2-2 With Shelburne at Tata Stadium Which is a very good draw We all know about how good Shells
2: are at that level Did you see the Eidemann goal?
1: Ah, oh, it's magic
2: Yeah, it was, it was He's just deadly yeah. Isn't he? Who needs Duffy? Get in Eidemann Did you see the picture he put up on Instagram Where he's taking on six players Or at least from the, that it's angle Very Messiesque. esque Well, Messi-esque But the the 1986 Maradona comparison. Maradona,
1: yeah, yeah. Maradona. So let's just put them
2: side by side, like just the Idemo and the Maradona. But uh also idemo included in the Ireland under nineteen squad, I think, for the first time.
1: What an addition. I think we need someone else as well, haven't we?
2: Have we Leti? Um I think I think it's just Idemo, it could be wrong. But um uh, for the upcoming Friendly against Sweden in Marbella in Spain, that'll be October eleventh, so he he's not gonna miss uh Dundalk.
1: Nice bit of sun. Get yourself over a game of ball. So, we, uh, the 15s drew 2 all home to Galway. 14s drew 1 all away to Galway. And Prof is just checking up the scores now. Two underage games tonight, Prof. We, we, in Tallet, unfortunately, doesn't sound good.
2: No, the 19s have been beaten on poundies oh. by Derry in the Cup. Oh, no. That's the 19s out of the Cup. On oh, pedals, yeah. unfortunately. And. Dora. Oh, 14s were playing tonight but I don't have results at the moment so we'll probably update you on that next mm. time Um so yes we shall move on to the upset of the season Glemelor
1: have beaten Aston Village 2-1 in a massive cup upset 5 leagues above them prof there's no messing around with lads in these leagues right it's already MMA <laughs> fucking UFC octagon shit but to put them in a league or in a in a cup with a team five five teams of five uh, divisions above them—it's been ab- that's unbelievable, absolutely yeah. unbelievable. Woolley was in the middle of the park tackling people with his head again. His <laughs> Carlo head. Um, great, great win. That's, oh, that's, that's big shout out. Tommy Kelly uh, and John Connolly gave him a great shout out saying that they're no longer an overweight bunch of idiots.
2: <laughs> I read that.
1: <laughs> or whatever it was, I think they're like, but now they can play football.
2: <laughs> Something along that was mind. a great post. Yeah.
1: Um, so brilliant brilliant stuff from Glenlore and get on down to them there <laughs> in Walkstown Park check them out and of course Jason Maloney Jason the Jinx Maloney uh, they've only gone and done it of course they won as I wasn't they're a superb cup win for Glamolore rowers against a team from four leagues above them team is going from strength to strength and every week and I'm delighted for everyone involved you are a green ribbon up to Glamolore Glamolore for the cup Glamolore for the cup <clears throat> um, Keith Kelly Hashtag jumpers for goalposts tweeted this: Join us for an old school game of ball alongside some of the biggest stars from our shores. Share some laughter, some stories, and some old times with old mates. And there's a free draw or a signed Shamrock Rovers and shells kit. And it's free. Men- it's a World Mental Health Day, so a great, great occasion. They've been doing brilliant stuff at jumpers for goalposts. Game of ball, chit chat, cup of tea, whatever you fancy, and get on down.
2: Yeah, there's <coughs> there's two of them on that day. There's one. There's one a half eleven. We're at the Kilcock Celtics Ground, uh, the Bon Oggs, and there's one at 11 at Ashland Park in uh, Baddy Brack. So that's the one with the guests, the, the Baddy Brack one. So you've got Dinah Watts, Neil Frugia, Ian Morris, Shelburne manager, and Stephanie Roach all coming along.
1: Woohoo! Um, any bowls players, you all?
2: No mention there.
1: No. I might dish out the old boots, the old cleats. The studs, the sharpened studs. Yeah, so great, uh, great occasion once again. Fair play to Key Kelly, but Prof. Yeah. So up next, Prof, he had the pleasure of me 95-96 Player of the Year, Alan O'Neill.
2: Um, so Alan, give us your, I suppose, your earliest memories of coming to Rovers and uh, playing at Milltown in the, the mid-70s.
4: Yeah, well, I was a, a Rovers sporter growing up on the north side of, the, of Dublin. And I remember as a played for schoolboy football team, St Malachy's, Need more And I remember being brought to the great Rovers, Waterford games in the late sixties. Waterford had a great side. Rovers obviously were cup kingpins in the sixties. Uh, I think Waterford had won three or four leagues in the sixties. So any game between Rovers and Waterford was a, was a big occasion. Um, so I remember going to see games in, in Milltown with Rovers and Waterford. And then my first rem- memory as a player, um, I was playing with St Malachy's and Liam Toohey was then the manager of Rovers and he brought me up with the U team at Rovers. Brian Kerr was our manager. And I remember the first night I arrived up for pre-season training and the old dressing rooms, uh, they were tin; they weren't, certainly weren't concrete, but anyway, we went into the dressing rooms and the home and away dressing were side by side. And we all stripped together, both the, the U team and the first and second teams. And here I was now, sitting beside the likes of Mick Lawler, Mick Leach, Pat Dunn, Frank O'Neill, my heroes growing up. So that was a huge thrill for me. Um, and then going on further then, I remember uh, when Gilesy took over in 77, um, we used train in the car park in Milltown. Um, uh, there was tarmac on the side of the pitch before you went into the hoops club. And we used train on a Saturday morning on the tarmac. Um, yeah it's a long time ago now you're going back to the late 70s so what are we talking about 50 years ago long long time ago and the pitch then at that stage when when I joined Rovers first the pitch has always been talking about was Milltown was immaculate well it wasn't then when we played then because we trained on it during the week and the pitch was in bits come come weekends I mean you know the winters we have here in Ireland so Sundays could be a, a quagmire of a pitch and um, because we trained on a Tuesday and Thursday um, I think when Joysey came back, he then got in ground-specific grounds people in to look after the pitch, and from then on, from around the 80s on, the pitch was immaculate. Milltown was always a joy to play on. Um, so yeah, they're my my initial memories of Milltown.
2: The club in general, in when you came there in the 70s, it was obviously in decline, very much so from the the six in a row cup team, that famous team. We finished bottom of the table for the first time ever, playing a lot of young players. weren't we? Until Jozzy came in in '77.
4: Well, I was one of them young players. That way, uh, when we reached rock bottom, uh, we were we were up for re-election. I think that might have been '76. And um, we were up for re-election. Now, obviously, we were re-elected straight away. But uh, a lot of young players, as you say, I remember at the time. Um, I think it was McMegan was in charge, and we signed the full the whole Cherry Orchard youth team. Now. That Cherry Orchard U team, a lot of the lads went on to play League of Ireland football, and the late Jackie Jemison was one of the players who came over with us, uh, came over to us. Um, But as you say, we went into decline, and uh, then Gilesy came home in '77, and things started to change then. And I was fortunate enough that I was turning 20, 21, had a few years under my belt, so I was there at the right time for me personally. uh, Things started to change under Gilesy. He wanted to do things differently. He wanted us to be uh, competitive in Europe. It didn't happen. It wasn't for the want of trying, but it just didn't happen. But uh, it started to change then. And then when Giles, left, obviously, Jim McLaughlin came in and started the the four in a row team. Um, But yeah, they're my memories of back that change over between the late 70s and into the 80s. So just the one
2: major trophy for, for John Giles, 1978. So that was a special day for you and the club, wasn't it?
4: Absolutely. Yeah, I remember at Daily Mount Park, it was a dreadful day, dreadful day. And uh, they still talk about it in Sligo, about the penalty. And it's always talked about, I'm on one of these League of Ireland Facebook pages, and it was mentioned there a couple of weeks ago, uh, how Steve Lynix was uh, fouled. Mm, was he fouled? Well, it was a penalty as far as we were concerned but they still cry about it then. So like, oh, look, that's life. That's football decisions go for you. They go against you. But that was huge for me because that was, you know, an FAI cup medal. And it was actually an unreal feeling because, because Giles was at the club at the time too. There was loads, a lot expected of the team. Like you'd Giles, you had Ray Tracy, you had Eamon Dunphy, you'd Johnny Fulham, one of the most decorated players ever in the league of Ireland. So there was a lot of pressure that day. I do remember, it wasn't, I, I remember when, when we actually did win, it was more a relief than anything else that we had won. But uh, then when you had time to, to, to take it in a couple of weeks, within the weeks after that, you, you realise what a monumental achievement it was because there are only a certain number of people who have FAI Cup Winners' Medals. So I'm lucky to be one of them. So that was huge, yeah. Uh,
2: do you regret uh, leaving the club and missing the four in a row? You know, obviously you didn't have much control over it.
4: to but... <laughs> I've been over this time and time again. Look, things happen in football. They don't always happen the way you want them to happen. Um, as I said, I was a Rover supporter growing up. I didn't want to leave. But look, that's the way it goes. I left. And in some ways, it it, it gave me that impetus. Look, you're going to have to prove yourself all over again. You know, I, had, I was on League of Ireland teams at that stage. But look, that's life. Football managers make decisions. You don't always agree with them. So I had to knuckle down and uh, air me corn elsewhere. And I went to UCD which, ironically, the next season we beat Rovers. The first time that they didn't win the double in that five years that Jim McLaughlin was there was because UCD beat them in 84. But look, that's football. And then I, got, then I was fortunate to go to Dundalk. So in some ways, yes, I'm, of course I missed out in a four in a row and I missed out playing in what I consider to be the best league of Ireland team over the last 50, 60 years. I, I can't comment before the 60s, but the team, the best team that I had seen, I was on some great Dundalk teams. We were great, but the, the quality in the Rovers team, yeah, it was a bit special. Um, but look, I've no regrets. It happened. You move on. And in many ways, it, it worked to my benefit.
2: I think a lot of people said you're a man of the match in one, maybe both of the games. You made some big saves. We've talked to Robbie Gaffney about that game as well. He's a lifelong hoop. He found it very strange to have to beat the, the hoops in the final that day
4: yeah but uh, the, rovers are Robbie as you say was lifelong and still is a lifelong rover supporter goes to all the games I kind of left under a cloud and I had a lot to prove so it wasn't a question of um, there was no emotion or there was no romance in it for me with rovers I was going out to win a match whoever it was against uh, the fact that it was against rovers and I have to say I will always remember um, till I die the reception I got from the Rover supporters in daily Mint for the first game, it was just unreal. I mean, they were chanting my name as they did when I was playing for Rovers and I actually thought they were chanting Alan, for Alan Campbell, but they weren't. So like I had a huge, um, relationship with the Rover supporters, but like you're a professional, you got to get out there and play. Uh, and that's what we did. And look, we got the breaks as a UCD and we won it in the replay. That's football.
2: So in 87, you, you were gone from the club a few years at this point, but what was your reaction to that shocking news that Glenrunner Park
4: would be sold? Oh, it was, like, it was unbelievable news. I remember at the time, and it was just uh, it was a shock to the whole league, obviously for Rover supporters, and I was a Rover supporter. It was huge that the the, the the mecca of Milltown was gone, and you kept on hoping, you know, this cram was set up, and you said, look, the lads will change it. There's enough people in behind it. But in the end, this goes down to business and money and finances, and it didn't. And I remember actually playing one of the first games in Tolka Park when Rovers moved, played one of their first home games in Tolka Park. I was playing for Dundalk at the time. And uh, to see friends of mine that I'd grown up, Rover supporters that I would know, at one, at just outside Tolka Park protesting, it just wasn't football. It just wasn't right. It just didn't seem right. It was was a crazy time, you know, it really was. And then Rovers started on their travels then. I I think they went to Tolka Park. Then they went to Dalymount Park. um, And eventually, was it Dalymount, after Dalymount, was it the RDS? I'm not sure. Yeah, the RDS. And I think when they got to the RDS, it kind of settled down. When I say settled down, Milltown was gone. It was like, I think the houses were up. There was no going back. You were never going back to Milltown. So the RDS started to give them their first kind of taste of having a new home, a new home for a few years. So there was a base where you felt at Tolka park. You felt that Dalyman park that was never going to be their base. They were, they were lodgers. They were tenants. Yes, there were tenants in the RDS, but there was no other soccer team. So there was a kind of a base there. And I think that showed in like, we did have success in the RDS, uh, under Ray, the late Ray Tracy, um, and I, th- I think supporters while it wasn't Milltown, they did take to the RDS. So you came back to the club
2: in 1993. Uh, I don't think anybody was expecting a title challenge at that point. Uh, like, what was your feelings going in, and um, what sort of club had you were you coming back to in uh, 93?
4: Well, obviously Ray was the manager, and Ray was Ray was major in me signing for Rovers again because uh, he was part of the the John Giles management team back in the the late 70s, and I'd always kept in touch with Ray down through the years, and we'd have a slagging and the usual banter but uh, he was mega, and me coming back and I was, what, 36, 37 years of age and Ray comes in and he offers me a two-year contract. Uh, I was no Ronaldo. He's getting a two-year contract. I got a two-year contract. but uh, So it was huge for me to come back for, uh, to play for Rovers. I mean, I'd won, I'd won a League Cup. I'd won an FAI Cup, but I never won a League medal at Rovers. And he was putting a team together. Like, I, I, he signed five or six players that season and you don't usually win... With so many new players, you don't usually win a league. Like I think he brought in myself, Terry Everston from Dundalk. Ozo came in. Uh, John Nolan came from Sligo Rover as a left back. And it was a f- Alan Bourne came in. So he had signed a five, six players, all good players, but it takes a while to gel. But yeah, we went on and we won the league against Cork in the end.
2: So you mentioned the night we won the league against, I think it was Shelburne. We
4: won it against Shelburne, yeah, we, which was the second-last game of the season. The last game of the season was against Cork, and Cork were their closest rivals. And we, we drew with shells on a horrible evening. On the, I think it was the Wednesday or the Thursday before the Sunday that we played Cork. And really the game shouldn't have gone ahead because it was torrential rain in Dublin all day. The pitch was unplayable. But it had to go ahead because the following Sunday was the last game of the season. Uh, Shell scored. They were 1-0 up and we equalised in the second half and then we went on. So that was our, our league win in 93-94. Yeah.
2: It was the only league win from Miltown to Tata. So the fans still hold that team higher high regard, don't they?
4: I hope so, yeah. It meant a lot to us as well. But as I was saying, I, I, I felt that the RDS was starting to be a home at the time for Rovers. It was a base. It was a more secure base than Talca or Dady Mount. And they took to to, to the RDS. And Ray put a side together with the backing of uh, John McNamara. Uh, He put a team together. And, uh, yeah, it was great to to win a league. And for me personally, I then had the full set. I'd won a a league, an FAI Cup, a league cup. And we also won an All-Ireland. So uh, Tyler Cup was at the time. uh, I think it later became the Satanta Cup, didn't it? So it's a full, full deck of medals with Rovers. And that's something I'm proud of, yeah.
2: It didn't work out for Ray after that, did it? Because uh, obviously three of our best players go to Shelburne for financial reasons. And uh, was it sad to see the team, that's such a good yeah. team dismantled?
4: Absolutely, and so quickly. But as you say, like it was financial reasons. The lads were offered mega books. And uh, a short career. So you couldn't, you couldn't blame them. Allenborn Bourne and uh, Gago, Who's the third one went? Oh, did will go back to Pats? I can't remember, but I know Alan. The big two was Alan, Alan Bourne and Gago going to shells. And look, you couldn't blame them, but you couldn't lose the quality of them two players and hope to go on and do it. And we didn't have a great season the following year. We struggled, um, held our own, but was nothing like the season before. And you couldn't without a Gagan and an Alan Bourne at the time. And then I think it was that year, wasn't it, that Ray... Was that the season that Ray got? Uh,
2: 96. midway through. That's when he got sacked. Yeah, the
4: following season. Yeah, we didn't have a. I think I, I can't remember where we finished in the second the season after we won the league, uh, and then we had to we started again. And I think we'd uh, up to the mid-season we weren't really featured. and I think we were mid-table, and I think uh, Ray and John parted ways, which was a, a very strange time for me. Um, I was coming up what, 37, 38 at the time. And Ray had been uh, a big mentor of mine down through my career. And, uh, I got a phone call out of the blue from John McNamara. Like I knew Ray had gone and I got a phone call to say, could he meet me? And I said, yeah, yeah. I'm saying why? And he offered me the job. And I said, Phew. I wasn't expecting it came totally out of the blue. Um, I said, I couldn't take it there and then. I said, look, I have to go and talk to Ray because I wouldn't do anything behind his back. He had been so good to me down through my career. So I went to Ray and I said, Look, Ray, I said, football is football. I said, I'm have been offered a job. What do you think? He said, You've no choice. I said, What do you mean? He said, You've got to take it. He says, You have to take it. But I said, out of respect to you, he said, Don't mind me, football is football. So that then I started to start thinking, I'm still playing. So Terry. Myself and Terry, Terry came on board. So the two of us co-managed it. Yeah, I suppose we co-managed it till the end of the season and we went on a run. I think we went nearly unbeaten till the end of the season. I think we might've lost one game and just missed out on Europe. Um, So we had a great, great run of uh, games. The players all got behind us um, and it was was a great atmosphere in the team at that stage. And it was great hope for the following season and around the exact same time, um, the premier electronics, premier, premier computer, group. premier computer group came in, took over from John McNamara and we're talking about going to Tala. That's when Tala started. But the premier, I remember the premier group came in and they said, yeah, we'll keep you on as manager. But I knew, I knew they didn't really want me want myself and Terry as manager, but, but that's football again. Um, and we started off, we made a couple of good signings. We signed Pat Fenlon that year and we signed Tony Cousins. But after two or three, it was only after the League Cup. And the League Cup at that stage was just the lead into the league. Uh, and uh, we were told we were no longer, we were no longer wanted as manager. Uh, managers, myself and Terry and Pat took over. And uh, yeah, the rest is history. But I do remember when the Premier crew came in and they were talking about Tala and Pat, I know at the time, was with us. No, he wasn't with us on the management team, but Pat was setting up links with Tala at the time. And was at Tala Town where the team, Tala Town with the Lancaster Senior League team, out, uh, and he was developing links. Um, but I always remember I always remember the, the reception to announce the whole Tala thing and the Premier Electronics taking over. I remember Mick Cairns was, Mick Cairns, as you all know, lifelong Rover supporter. Uh, and always, always claims that his blood is green, not red. Um, he came up to me and he says, uh, he says, oh, he says, Premier. He says, what do you think? He says, do they love Rovers? I said, make, no, they're businessmen, but did they wire? He couldn't get it that they weren't and they weren't, they were in it for the business and I think they, they jumped ship fairly quick. They didn't last very long. Did they last the season? I don't know whether they did even. I think they did last maybe one season and then they were out, but that was the start of Tala. That was the start of Tala. And it did happen. Was it, did you find it
2: suspicious at all that Pat Byrne was, was given the job? He was there as kind of sporting director, wasn't
4: he? Yeah. Yeah. He was sporting director. Look, and we had, there was a, Pat had no input in the team when, when, when myself and Terry were there, he hadn't, but like the writing was on the wall. As I said before, football is football. People make decisions and if you let them get in on you, yeah, you'll, you'll bear grudges for life. I don't bear grudges. That's, that's football. I put it down and, um, that was it. I was coming to near the end of my career anyway. And, uh, was management for me? Probably not, It probably wasn't, you know, um, would I like in go out of the season. Yeah, I would have because I thought the team had, had possibilities, but look, that's life. You just take it on the chin and you move on. I don't bear grudges. Pat was earmarked for the job from day one and so be it. So just jumping back into 95,
2: 96 just for our, our little series here was it difficult towards the end of Ray's tenure that there was a lot of pressure mounting from the fans when we were on that horrible run?
4: Yeah well you can feel it I mean and I felt for Ray and Ray obviously he wanted to turn around and he felt he could but I think the pressure became too much on John McNamara and John made the decision to to make the change and and uh, Yeah, like, obviously, I mean, I've said before what I felt about Ray. Ray was huge in my career and gave me great opportunities. But look, that's football again. Like these things happen like he has his Ray done well by Rovers. He done well. I mean, he didn't break the bank like as you you spoke about um, Alan Byrne and Gago leaving us at that stage for mega money. Rovers didn't try couldn't compete. They couldn't compete, not in the, the state they were in. And look. He made some great decisions for hours and he was successful for hours. but pressure tells. And, and you know, that's, that's, li- that's, that's, the life of a football manager. A fo- the one sure thing about being a football manager is you're going to be sacked or you're going to be let go. And that's, that's what happened. And, uh, but the pressure mounted and John made a decision and, uh, did it work in my favor? I don't know. It was a strange one for me because I was still playing. So I was a player manager and it suited me having Terry involved. Because Terry at the time was had a bad injury, so Terry was on the bench. So we made our decisions during the week, but I just handed it over to Terry at the weekend. Terry, you make decisions. You make substitutions. I have a job to do on the pitch. I remember when I, when I was when Gilesy was playing. Gilesy was player manager at Rovers, and uh, his recall of the game during the game, not affecting him, was just incredible. He talk about throw-ins that were lost up in the top top half of the pitch and why did why did you do this I couldn't do that I could I would be so focused on what I had to do that I couldn't remember what anyone else was doing I'd be instructing them to do from a goalkeeper's point of view but I couldn't tell you what the center forward had done because when he's doing his stuff up the other end I'm organizing the lads at the back so I couldn't do it I couldn't do it that in that respect so that's why it worked so well for us that Terry was on the bench and Terry made the decision. So it worked well for us, uh, the partnership, yeah.
2: It's not something I looked into, but I can't think of too many player manager goalkeepers. And you mentioned Giles there, he was a centre midfielder. So it was a great position for him to influence the game and manage the side at the same yeah. time. Not as easy, obviously, for a goalkeeper.
4: No, it's not. Uh, there wouldn't have been too many player managers. I think Zoff, <laughs> I'm not putting myself in Zoff's bracket, but I think uh, Zoff, I'm not sure he played, I don't think, I, th- I think he managed after he retired. But uh, I, I can't recall any player managers or uh, goalkeepers being player managers. So yeah, it's something I'm proud of, It's something on the, the CV. So the team you inherited, was it was such an out of form team. So I'm just going to
2: call out the results here without a goal. So lost 2-0 to Cork, 1-0 to Pats, 1-0 to Shelburne, 2-0 to Athlone. And then two games with Shelburne in the cup, 0-0, 1-0 in the replay. And then lost 2-0 to Sligo at the RDS. That's seven games without a goal, it was a horrific run. So talk about the game that ended that run, it was against them, when you were manager.
4: Sorry, take me back. Your the first corner. game
2: as manager was a 1-0 win over them, Derek corner. Tracy scored the yeah. winner. So that ended that goal drought, basically.
4: That's right, yeah, yeah. That was around Christmas time, wasn't it?
2: It was, uh, yeah, late like January.
4: Yeah, about yeah. just after Christmas, yeah. that uh, I, Like, when we came in, obviously, we got players around us and said, look, we can just continue on as we've been doing. Um, or we'll just try and, you know, everyone will look in together and that's, we, we got players. We, maybe we gave them a freedom that uh, there was no, we, we tried to take the pressure off them. And uh, like the pressure had mounted because of the results going wrong. And suddenly you start saying, look, them results are out they're history. Let's go and let's have a go. Uh, let's have a right go. It just, turning things around. And as you say, I do remember the one nil victory against uh, Dundalk in, in uh, the RDS, and that was a turning point. And I think we went six, seven games undefeated then after that. I have a vague recollection, we, we did get beat in Daily Mount by Bose, come near the end of the season. But uh, we turned things around and it was respectable, and uh, yeah, I do remember that.
2: So you won the Player of the Year award at the end of that season. Do you remember any uh, ceremony, and you remember, were you surprised to, to get the award?
4: Do, do you know i i haven't got a huge me- i do remember the ceremony i do remember it was at a supporters club event i do remember the presentation but when you mention all them other ga- the results you know the one nil defeats the two nil defeats the three The that season is kind of a blur for me and then like the management coming over so it's taken over then as manager as player manager it it's kind of a blur i i have haven't got any great individual memories of me playing if you know what i mean other than that we did turn it around. And uh, and it was obviously a great, I'd never won a player of the year before at Rovers. So again, that was another first for me uh, with the hoop. So yeah, it was, a, it was a great personal achievement having taken on because it, basically it happened after we took over as manager. So uh, as managers, myself and Terry. So yeah, it was something I was proud of. Again, that's something I looked up, but imagine
2: you won that award as some of your other clubs uh, player of the year.
4: Yeah, I won one at UCD and I won one at Dundalk. So the three clubs I was at, I did win player of the year. And it's, it's nice, but it's like as a goalkeeper, you're relying on, your, on your, your whole, the whole team in front of you. They'll, you'll start with your back forward, your defence starts with the centre forward. You know, that's always been my way. And if you, get, if you have a, a good, solid defence, it's not just about the goalkeeper. Yes, he has to play his part. Yes, he has to organise. Yes, he has to be the boss at the back, but you're still relying on the others. And I, I, I was very fortunate down through my career at Rovers, at Dundalk and at UCD, playing behind some really top-class defenders.
2: Do you remember a couple of pre-season tours 95 and the start of 96? I think at least one of them was in America, if not both Both
4: of them. Both of them, I do, yeah. Uh, we went over to uh, Dublin, Ohio, Jack Nicholas country. And... Uh, yeah, I remember, <laughs> there was one great story when we were on the first one, Ray was manager. And Terry was, it was, myself and Terry were obviously on the trip. But Terry had met long lost cousins from America uh, when he was on holiday in the west of Ireland. And they were Everstons. So Everston was obviously a, not a most common of names. But when they heard he was going over to Ohio to play, they went, came down to see Terry playing. And the game they came down to see Terry playing Terry was on the bench. Now it was only a, a university ground, so it wasn't actually a stadium, but there was seats seating around him and there was a, a barrier around the pitch. But uh, the, the Everston cousins were in Ray's ear the whole time telling him, Coach Tracy, bring on Terry, bring on Terry. So eventually he brings on Terry. <laughs> then the chant changed from give the ball to Terry, give the ball to. They, yeah, we, we had great, uh, it was a good trip. It was a tough trip. We trained hard, we trained very, very hard, and I think maybe we trained too hard over there because we, when we came back, we struggled. We struggled for the first, that was the start. We struggled for the first four or five games. I remember they were, were they calling it the American Bug or something we had picked up, but uh, we struggled for the first few games. Um, great thrill to go over and, pl- and represent Rovers and your country in another. In the in the the United States, but um, yeah, it was a it was a good trip. I do remember it.
2: I suppose before you get the call uh, to be manager in two thousand five, can you give me some general thoughts on just sort of looking from the outside of what was going on at Rovers? The Tala, Tala Stadium was just like no building worked on for years. The club in a lot of financial difficulties. What were you thinking of looking on?
4: I well, see. Uh, from my own perspective, I was coming to the end of my career. I was 36, 37, so my footballing career was coming to an end. Rovers were looking to get to Tala, but Tala, I, I don't think Tala happened for about 10, 15 years after that because, that they, yes, they started the, the the negotiations, but then there was a whole thing with the the GAA club in Tala, and the, the I think wasn't there something about a school involved land from a school? So that took a long, long time, and I think Rovers supporters were running out of patience, and, starting to think would this ever happen but truth to form like the way rover supporters have down through the years they got behind the club and uh, because of them Salah happened and uh, at the time as a player you're not as conscious of, of them things because your your job is to do produce it on the pitch if you're not producing it you're gone um but uh, rovers were in real danger at that time they were they, they were struggling and just but for the the, the 100 club, I think that's what they were called at the time. Rovers would have gone under. And they saved them.
2: So in 2005, nearly a decade on from when you managed the club the first time, you get the call when the club are going into a relegation playoff. Where were you when you got the call and what was your reaction?
4: I was in work. And uh, Robbie Gaffney rang me. And Robbie says, uh, Roddy is gone. The playoff is coming up. He said, there's no one to manage. Will you do it? And I said, switch. <laughs> like, I had, it was the last thing on my mind. Um, and uh, I said, Phew. Terry, who would have been normally my confidant at the time, Terry was with Roddy. So he had left as well. And he couldn't go back, be out respect to Roddy. So um, I remember, Phew. did I want to take it? I wouldn't see Rover stuck because of what they'd done for me and my career. Um, it was a huge, huge task. Looking back on it, I probably shouldn't have done it. I probably shouldn't, but I couldn't say no because of being a Rover supporter, I just couldn't say no. So I took it on and uh, we had a game in UCD. UCD, I think we played the last league game this evening, but we were already confined to the playoff against, it was a Sporting Fingal. Uh, Dublin,
2: City.
4: Dublin, well, they became Sporting Fingal after that, Our, but the Dublin City succeeded, Sporting Fingal was there the same anyway. And Dermot was the manager, Dermot Keeley. Um, So we had to try and put a team together, try and bring them up off their knees, haven't haven't gone in, finishing the bottom two. Uh, And then we played the first game in Daly Mount Park. And Barry Murphy was our goalkeeper, and Barry got injured. And uh, we lost the game 1-0. Barry played, I think, the last 30 minutes, 40 minutes of the game on one leg because he couldn't, he couldn't, he he, he could barely stand up. And it was before the time that you could bring on a a sub goalkeeper, or maybe we had used all our subs. I don't know, but we were really struggling. We were really struggling. And then we had a, we know that that I think the second leg was on the Wednesday or the Thursday. Barry was obviously out with a, a young lad who hadn't played in the first team. That was the only goalkeeper we had. The only one goalkeeper we had we needed a goalkeeper, so, and I, I remember it as plain as anything, um, spending a day. I was wor- still working in the Department of Education at the time, and I, had to t- I went into work. I said, listen, I'm not working today. I spent the day on the phone. I had to take leave. I spent the day on the phone trying to get a goalkeeper. And I was, I was up, <laughs> I tried everyone. tried Alan Kelly, but he, uh, he had retired over beyond, but I think he had had, it was having shoulder surgery. I even tried to contact Stephen Cluxton. That's a famous one. I never spoke to Stephen, never got to talk to him. And before I even got, to, like, I never, as I say, I never spoke to him. And out of the blue, I get a phone call from a journalist. Is it true you're trying to sign Stephen Cluxton? I said, how do you know? I said, I haven't even spoken to the lad. I couldn't get him. He said, I said, I'll tell you what, if I do, you'll be the first to know. But that didn't happen. And then luckily, a contact. I was talking to some lad, I think it was, I can't remember who I was speaking to, but he said, John Walsh. John Walsh was, was, uh, I worked with John at Bray when Bray won the cup in the late nineties, 99, I think. And John was a, was a fine goalkeeper. He was a Gaelic goalkeeper turned into a soccer goalkeeper. And he was really good. He was a very reliable goalkeeper, but he'd retired. So, but we were desperate. So he was, um, he was still playing Gaelic and I rang John up and John said, yeah, I'll do a fit. And John played. Now, I think the game finished one all. Um, and I remember the last ten minutes. I think we, ten players in their box, pulverizing the box the the goal, but we just couldn't get the goal back. And uh, that was a big disappointment. That was a major, major disappointment. Um, as I say, it was only three games, but yeah, it was it wasn't a nice experience. And like to, to to look Rovers supporters in the eye and to be part of team that got relegated it wasn't nice well i could look back and say look th- i wasn't the reason it got relegated but it wasn't nice but i have to say the rovers supporters took it well and realized that i had taken it on for the love of rovers and uh, it just didn't work out that was a big disappointment can you remember the
2: mood in talca park after the final whistle like probably grown men in tears seeing rovers relegated for the absolutely. first time in history
4: yeah, absolutely and, uh, and then i remember leaving leaving talker park and uh going up around fagans and up the pubs up around from and the rover supporters were in the different pubs and like practically crying in their points you know literally uh men and women and uh but they didn't blame us uh, that meant that meant a lot to me that meant a lot they understood the position but it was a, it was a horrible time yeah horrible
2: Pascoli came in there and did a great job got rowers back up and won goal in the first division were you, were you looking on were you delighted to see that
4: absolutely absolutely Pat came in and he'd done a great job there's no two ways about it to go down to the first division and bring them straight back up was a huge achievement um, and and he, he he done like he I think he he put down the foundations from there on in and then ta- Tala happened when did ta- Tala would have happened <coughs> so it was still a couple of years to go but he, he Pat done really well when he came in I don't know if you're at the game or watching on TV or what, but what,
2: given your personal connections with Gilbert, you're, you're delighted to see it finally happen oh, after all those years.
4: Oh, look, th- finally, because as I said, it started when myself and Terry were the two co-managers. That was the, the seed. We're going to Tala and it all started. And that was, what was that, 1996? 96? And Tala didn't happen until 2000 and 13 years. Would it ever happen? Like, when you, when, when you think of all them years... And you thought, will this ever happen? And actually, I worked in the Department of Education and I was aware of the planning permission problems uh, that was going on with the schools. But uh, I was just glad. I think the whole, the whole league to have a, for Rovers to have a home, a definite home, like, as I said, the RDS was a transient, but it was a base. But Tala was a, was a home again. And it's like, they've built it up now. It's just, it's the focal point of Tala is uh, rovers and uh, it's great to see
2: so you had two spells of the club uh three well four major trophies two spells of you so i know you had great times at dundalk as well but you obviously still
4: hold rovers in your heart and you keep an eye on us now oh absolutely absolutely yeah watching the game the other night and but uh, yeah obviously rovers dundalk they would have been my two teams and uh, i keep a close look on both clubs and it, it's nice to see well it had been nice up to this season see both of them competing like the cup finals it was a very strange experience for me like having uh, supported rovers all my life then built up a huge affinity with dundalk and watching the two teams playing in the cup final uh and i remember when uh the, one of the games Rovers scored first no dundalk scored first and i said oh no and then rovers equalized yeah oh yeah well yeah well I I, met, I I was pleased that Rovers scored and then i was pleased that dundalk Equalised, and I said, This is strange, this is crazy. I can't cope with this. Crazy stuff, crazy stuff. But uh, it's great to see Rovers back, and I think they're going to be back for a good few years. Um, there's no doubt about that.
2: So, you were known as Big Al. Nowadays, you've got Big Al Manison goal. He, obviously, he would be very disappointed with that goal. You can see it on Thursday, but generally, he's, he's been immense for
4: Rovers, hasn't he? Absolutely, he's been huge. Like last season, he was, I, I, what were we talking about? Many goals conceded. Just seven in the league. Yeah, and I think that the only good thing was he didn't break. I had a League of Ireland a clean sheet record, and I think he equaled it. 22, 23 clean sheets. I think he had there, there. but look, that's a personal thing. He's done immense for overs since he's come back. He's been huge because he's been very reliable. Look, he made a mistake the other night. Show me a goalkeeper that doesn't make a mistake. They all, we all make mistakes. That's the whole thing. It's how you re- respond and react to mistakes. I guarantee any goalkeeper during the course of a season will make three or four mistakes, which will be result in goals and be their fault. And you've just got to accept that. You just got to dust yourself off and he's big enough and man enough to do it. And he's done really well for Rovers. He's been a big, big signing. And uh, because I think when Stephen the first couple of years under Stephen, nothing was happening. And I think, I think he might've been the final piece in the jigsaw to give it that push, that solidity, that experience at the back. Um, he's done immense. And Of course, he's
2: 39, similar to your age, when you were coming to the end, of, of, of your' second spell at Roberts, I don't think he's going to get near your clean sheet record. I don't know uh, 100, 120 for you, total for Roberts. Yeah. So that's something that I'm obviously proud of. When, when you're finished, you
4: look back on what you've achieved, and uh, the great thing for me, I can look back. I've won three leagues, I've won three FAI Cups. No one can ever take them away from me. And as I said before, there's only a very limited number of players who can say they have their medals. I have their medals. I played for the two top teams in the country. Um, so, look, I'm very, very lucky. Very, very fortunate. Um, yeah, I loved every second of it.
1: Yeah, so always a giant, gentle giant, though, I always think of him. Al O'Neill, lovely fella. And uh, an old
2: school, an old school gent, as they'd say. Yeah, I know, absolutely. I was an uh, absolute gentleman. And um, you might notice we didn't go into... Uh, you know, full depth there into his career because we had we had him in Johnny Bills before, so that's when we would have talked about the likes of uh the Japan tour he was on in the mid seventies. Uh, that was actually his first season. He was a teenager. Imagine like, you come into the town you sign for the club and next Off thing Japan. next thing you're flying to Japan. And uh we also would've talked more about the ninety four title winning season. In that interview, we did a few years ago, but in this case, it was more about 95 96. So, Alan O'Neill the only man to be, to win the player of the year award while also being player manager.
0: Oh,
1: that's that's definitely got well, so technically, he gave it to himself.
2: <laughs> well, it was fans, both. <laughs> there you it? go, Alan. Thank you, Alan. i <laughs> with each hand. Um, well, well he, ne- he never subbed himself off because, like you said, um, uh, he left it up to Terry Ebison. So so Terry was on the bench Being manager Because they were They were joint managers And um, There was one thing I particularly loved Was um, Before he He came in Because Ray Tracy Had been sacked Yeah And we went Seven games Without a goal Can you imagine that Jesus Seven games Dismal And that's what ended up With Tracy uh, uh, Getting the body And O'Neill And Everson Come in as manager and uh jason maloney gave me this lovely bit of nu- lovely nugget here he said you remember singing at the rds during this goal drought of seven games <laughs> do you remember s- the fans singing we'll score again don't know where don't know when but i know we'll score again some sunny day
1: <laughs> what's that tune <doing> again <laughs> Is it goes <going> to <laughs> i know the one yeah. i know the one very, very uh, yeah. quick thinking again from Rovers Rovers fans, but brilliant from Alan O'Neill, prof. And do you remember
2: also I mentioned that Noel Sinnott rang me a couple of weeks back? Yeah, yeah, we yeah. For an Because we were doing the the, the big Jade tribute, and he started hitting me with all these stories. One of them was about Alan O'Neill actually, and Billy Lord. All those old school lads—they always say the same thing about Billy Lord. The, the, what the, boy, the, the cigarette, just constantly smoking. And then the ash would be dropping down onto the guy he's supposed to be treating. And they jokingly called that the cure. <laughs>
0: so
2: there'd be ash falling into the wound or whatever it is. It <laughs> <doesn't> <laughs> open wound I and know. he's stabbing it out with <laughs> cigarettes. <laughs> there you go. That was the height of, of medicine back There's that back cure. But, uh, he said one time he was just casually smoking away there. And then <laughs> his cigarette fell into Alan O'Neill's uh, bag. <clears throat> And i had a new pair of jeans in there. <laughs> Set the thing on And fire. then the bag went up in flames. <laughs> it ruined his jeans. <laughs> new pair
1: of lovely jeans. pair of Levi's. Oh, yeah. Spitty Lord. So, uh, that's it for the Player of the Year series. And, Prof, up next we have... Uh, start 11s and Predictions. Oh, Prof, it's hard again. It's not, it's not hard. It's getting better. It's getting easier.
2: Well let me see your your back three first of all
1: um, No, 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 not allowed
2: Is P go down there?
1: Uh, yes
2: Because he's on international duty Oh no
1: P goes out, oh lord yeah. That's a toughie Who's fit? Joey or Horfe?
2: Well we've not seen Joey or Graham Burke for a while now Oh it's going
1: to have to be Hor Goddamn damn Um. Yeah so sh- Why have I got scales in there?
2: Gareth pays for Celtic now. <laughs> Gareth's tired, everyone.
1: Oh, God. I've had a long day. I'm a sick dog, prof. And it's upset me. My dog's eyes are sick. I have to put drops in the eyes every six fucking hours. And the poor little doggy isn't well. It's upset me.
2: I'm not laughing at the dog. But you're you're just, laughing. I'll go out there and I'm, fuck your cat out the window. I love your dog. but <laughs> I, just, I fucking hate your cat. I'm amused that... That's why you're tired. Oh, uh, stupid cat!
1: Right, Manus, Gannon, Hor, and Grace. Okay, Hor is. I had this conversation actually. He's a good squad player, and he's perfect for times like this, right? It's what he's for. He gets brought in when we're, when the first teamers can't play, and they, and you need someone reliable enough. That's when Hor gets brought in. Joey, have a little rest. A little rest. Have a little rest now, Joe. Must be injured.
2: The old Groin must be
1: still troubling. The old Groin. Cutter. Cutter. on the left. Now, I was going to put Cutter in the middle, right? Put Cutter mm-hmm. centre half. And I was going to go for a big, big one and start Ferruja. But I don't think he's ready yet, but he's looking good. He Twice I've seen him now and he looks good. He looks like he's up for it, you know? So I don't think I'm going to start him against Dundalk out there. I think it's too much, too much, too soon. But you will see him off the bench. Finn out on the right, of course. The Magic Triangle is going to come into play again with Watts, Tell and Finn. So Gaffney and Mandrew up front. So we're going to go Manus. Gannon, Hoare. Grace, centre-half. Left wing-back, Cotter. Right wing-back, Finn. Gary O'Neill, centre midfield with, with Tell and Watts. Gaffney and Mandrew. I can't drop Watts or Mandrew at this at the moment in time. It's impossible.
2: No, I think... Pico is the only change we're be making here oh, in this team No
1: no out yeah Hor goes in because he seems fit from what we're hearing on the R- little rumours of
2: a, a Rory Gaffney injury which is scary Green given the Green, form he's Green, in
1: Green goes straight in there doesn't he
2: given the form he's in that's terrible there and considering book. he missed most of 2020 yeah I hope it's not a related injury
1: but like I said we could have put Cotter Cotter in for horror in the centre of defence on Pufferugia
2: there. How are you able to read anything? It's just <laughs> lines everywhere.
1: That, it's called art, Prof, right? Just because you're, you're too much of a, a luddite or a philistine to be able to understand it, all right? Basquiat would be proud of that.
2: Is, isn't uh, the left and right back something we always consider when we're playing Dundalk?
1: Always, yeah, but this is a different type of Dundalk we're talking about mm. here, Prof. This is a Dundalk This is a spent force But it still is Dundalk So I'd, I'd imagine Finn is okay there Qatar is going to be grand there I'm happy enough With this team To stay unchanged By mm. horror coming in For an unavailable Pico
2: And a, a possibly
1: green in For
2: well, a, injured I said, Gaffney The reason I said it Is because I was I was considering In my team Starting Frugia as well But starting a rusty Frugia At Oriole Park
1: It's a bit mad hmm.
2: It's a bit mad It is
1: I'm going to go, I'm going to go, woof. I remember what, 4 nil would happen not too long ago out here. I'm going to go, I'm going to go 2-0, sheet, and Richie Tell. Richie Tell a brace to run the show against his former club. How about that?
0: <laughs>
2: I'm going to say 1-0, Danny Mandroyo to score the goal. Danny's going to set these up. Danny's going to set up Tells. If you uh, took my quiz there during the week, Wanker. you would know that... Carl's weekly wanker quiz every time Danny Mundry scores, we win the match
1: oh yeah just ruin the quiz for everybody else
2: it's been
1: three days now <laughs> I don't think they're hard. waiting baited breath well yeah check Prof's wanker quiz out it's great the
2: third week in a row Gary got four four
1: I got <laughs> four Prof and I'm not going to talk about it right the vaccine Prof I am officially un- back- I unvaccinated maybe that's what it is maybe that's why I'm acting a bit weird because I only got vaccinated.
2: Vaccined, vaccinated early on, six o'clock yesterday. This is a great advertisement for for Pfizer. This whole Jesus show. Jesus
1: Christ! <laughs> I'm dehydrated. I'm tired. I'm gonna kill this car. It's probably not a good. It's probably Do, not a good
2: idea. Does the vaccine have side effects? Does
1: it make you want to kill your Just podcasters' Just Hold
2: up, tiffies, one seven five. Here you go.
1: So the vaccine uptake in sport. Ninety nine percent of our squad is taken, and Bradzer, um, he he praised the mature approach from our squad but you have the likes of Robinson who just chose not to get vaccinated he's been hit twice with it as well so you, people don't have to not have getting to that's get getting a lot of media attention now isn't it yeah. that? you don't have to get vaccinated but don't come at me don't come at me bruh with stupid bullshit reasons where the crazy anti-vaxxer bullshit don't come at me with that if it's a personal choice for you that's no problem yeah, it's if it. it's personal and it doesn't affect Affect anyone else's choice or you don't seem to want to ridicule me for being vaccinated because you're not. That's no problem. If you don't want to get vaccinated, I'll give a rats. But don't push your opinion on me and think that I'm a sheep or something like that. You know that bullshit that's coming out later. Yeah.
2: But I'm interested in is <clears throat> it is a personal choice, as you say. But in a team sport, it's a bit different though, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it could be a little bit um, a little more.
2: He could be seen as not mature maybe there. Like all, all but one of our players have taken it and he's just waiting for his second shot. So he is going to get it. Yeah. So that'll be our whole squad. Uh, there's a stat that only 30% of Premier League players are vaccinated. I couldn't believe that was so yeah. low.
1: Is it that like, is it that crazy to go and get vaccinated? Like, I trust modern science. That's what my whole thing is. I trust modern science. Look what it can do. You can put limbs on people. You can you can like all these brilliant new technologies, and people are afraid of a vaccine. It's they think it's gonna control them. Mm. If they wanted to control you, you'd be chipped already. It's happening in Mexico.
2: But Bill, Bill Gates is definitely not controlling you because this is one of your worst podcast performances in a while. <laughs> oh God! So fuck you, anti-vaxxers.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a tr- it's a tricky one. But do you think they should go down the road and make them get it? Not make them, but. They don't, no vaccine no, no you can't play
2: it's, it's hard to say but it's like, a like I say, isn't it in the team sport if it were me now in the team sport I would be thinking bigger picture I'd be thinking my teammates you know uh-huh. I would say yes it's a personal choice but I should have to, have to think about others as well
1: yeah yeah true and that's it exactly what it is yeah thinking about others is a big one is the big one there we'll move on from the vaccine talk prop. Crazy vaccine people. Um, we're the only game on this weekend. So no yep. LMS. Golden Goals live. Get in touch if you want. Test the East End on Instagram. Riley Parsons on Facebook. At East End on Twitter. Get in touch with the Golden Goals. 220 quid last week. Prof. Big, 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 big pot. Mooners bro won it. Who I don't think exists. Don't think he's a real person. But listen, the money was paid. He was won. 220 quid. And we're trying to get a little spot prize going as well. Don't forget to buy our t-shirts. They are amazing. Go on to Big Cartel, Tifties, Talesman East End. Check all of our socials out if you want a t-shirt. Get them before you will never get them again, Prof. They'll be gone forever.
2: You went off and quite the tangent there, but... Uh, t-shirts, yeah. <laughs> get you some t-shirts, but... Uh, no tickets for Royal Park. No, but before you get to that, uh, this being the only top flight game on this weekend... Uh, there's four on total So three first division Yeah so oh, there won't be an LMS It's, it's because t- of the, It's because of the Under 21's call ups Ooh John Caulfield Had a bit of a say About this didn't he Because Montenegro Is on the UK red list So It's all a home base squad And as Caulfield says We're being used as guinea pigs mm. I actually agree with him On this rant Do you I do
1: I Liked what he said But I think They were dealt with a situation and they said okay Ultimately There's players that we would prefer in England They cannot travel Therefore we're going to pick some players That are probably on the periphery And we do like them But they're just not in the squad at the minute We know they're there We know they exist We know they're good But some of the players that we have in England We pick before then
2: But they're after decimating the whole weekend The fixtures
1: Yeah I gonna understand that I, That's the point yeah I, I'm talking about the squads side of things I totally disagree with the, with decimating the fixtures I can get why they pick the th- the players from there, but I don't really agree with, with Caulfield saying that they're as guinea pigs and they're terrible. It's bad for the fixtures, but it's not necessarily bad for the players.
2: He thought it was bad for the players. He He's saying it's a token gesture. Yeah,
1: but it's, it's still a good experience for them. Ultimately, I think I don't agree with it, but I can get both sides of the coin, but I think the fixtures being decimated is ultimately bad for us,
2: and it's not good. In terms of an international break in the League of Ireland, normally it doesn't affect us. You get the occasional one-off, like a Jack Burner or Graham Burke yeah. being called up, or Gareth. like got called up to, to Northern Ireland once, and me as well. Uh, I saw a little debate on Facebook, and Is that a good. <laughs> Is that him? Uh, I like this idea from Tommy's Army because during the international breaks we should play League Cup and Leinster Senior Cup games. So then, you know they won't get called off because you would have only played, you would have rested players anyway. You would have used reserves and and youth players. Yeah. So fans, get their fix. The games are, there are still games on. You can still watch your team play on the Friday and the Saturday. And your main players, if they're being called up, they go off on international duty.
1: That's actually
2: a good idea. It's a great idea.
1: And has that ever been implemented at all? Nope. That'd be right.
2: Fair play. That's Tommy, isn't it? Now, I see people arguing back with him, saying, you're just, you're <laughs> adding more to the picture of But No, it's not. It's
1: a sensible way it's around international football. Like, but it's not
2: adding it's games, though. It's going to be played anyway.
1: Yeah. Fucking idiots. Great stuff from Mr. Tommy. Again. But to the real deal A hand prop No tickets for Royal Park Handful Thrown at us In disgust From a distance Um, Shocking stuff again This has to end I don't know when it's going to end I don't know how it's going to end I don't know when this One club is going to stand up And say Okay well we're going to Stop doing this now Because normally it's Rovers Nobody wins from this Nobody wins from Kind of stepping up And saying Okay well We're we're not going to do this anymore And we're going to be The shining light And stop all this away Mm -hmm. Allocation bullshit I don't think it's going to be us this
2: tit-for-tat seems to be going on and, I mean, October 22nd, the rules will, basically things will go back to normal and clubs will be obliged to give, I don't know if it's 5% or 10%, do you know what it is? 5, that's what I'm hearing. It's, it's bouncing
1: between 5 and 10, but I'm hearing 5.
2: Yeah, but, um, I mean, things will go back to normal, but you're worried about this pettiness, it could spill on out onto next season. I don't want to have to go into next season and, and think about oh will we remember what we did to them or will d- will we remember what Dundalk did to us yeah yeah, yeah. it's just it's
1: bullshit isn't stupid. it stupid but I'm thinking about the whoever made the decision as well were they thinking of our welfare as well because we know we go to every game we want to travel up and down the country and see these games so with the people who made the decision thinking about us uh, there's a couple of angles you can come from it's it's a bit tricky, I, I don't know, we'll probably have to get to the to the depths of it to really st- speak about mm. it properly, but once again, we're locked yeah. out of another stadium.
2: As it happened, I didn't want to go to this, because it's a kip, <laughs> and I uh, don't like going to Orioles. You Park. don't want to have blood poisoning or <laughs> end up getting the needle stuck in your ankle. I just love how you go into Facebook, uh, or Robert's there's a massive thread about this, and uh, Peter Richardson, absolutely cracking comment, he just comes in And he goes Do you remember It's not too long ago We're all calling for a boycott Of the Park And now everyone's dying to get in Yeah
1: Great show Great show
2: that a great. the post. veteran
1: The veteran Hooper
2: uh, but, but um Yeah Just Yeah no like If you go back to When the capacity was restricted Remember it was, it was A thousand we could only have Into Tada. When we had a thousand capacity We gave Dundalk A hundred tickets 100 out of 1,000. Now Dundalk can have more than that at Oriel and they won't give us 100, 200 yeah. or whatever. So what is happening? What is the end game here? We don't know. Somebody has to come up with a plan. So is are they doing that because of what we did Derry? But should they not do that? Should they not return the favour of what we did a few weeks ago? And next week, should we not return the favour of what Sligo did to us? Because they were good to us. Yeah. I don't think it's about that anymore. I
1: don't think it's about returning the favours. I think it's about looking after your own fans and your own self. I think they're looking at those 1,800 tickets and they'll say, well, if Rovers won't let Derry in and sell 4,000, why would we give anyone any tickets and we'll get 1,800 of our fans in? That's okay now. That's what they're looking at, I think. It might not mm. even be personal. They might just say, well, if Rovers are letting 4,000 in... Shells are letting a thousand They without any anyway fans Let's all let let in 1,800 on top fans And no Rovers Because it's okay now
2: Well Pats did it before this But nobody's holding up Pats As being the ones Who have shut out fans Yeah Rovers are being held up Yeah as, Ultimately as we as are yeah.
1: same, same shit as usual And nobody listens When you tell them those facts Nobody listens and goes Okay well here A, B and C Also did the exact same thing Rovers did Before Rovers No Rovers did it There's no getting through to people It's nuts no. But since in the absence of shithole in Oriel Park we are going to have points in the four provinces in the big screen in the lounge. Prof, there's Puddle, there's Piper, there's Guinness, there's all sorts of lovely beer, there's Staropramen. Get on down. The Hoops SC are going to make an appearance. The Northside Hoops are making an appearance. The Pride of they End are making an appearance. Who's
3: not making an appearance? The bogeys
1: Bogies are heading down. The Ultras are heading down. The Larrys are heading down. The four provs is
2: Crumlin. It is Hoops. It
1: is Shamrock Rovers. Prof,
2: it's our new home we got the big screen in the lounge this time so every time the the crowd grows a little bigger each time isn't it it does I think it's going to be a big one this time it's a big one they're in Um, for it they keep growing like I said that suggests happy customers and crack being had in Kimage
1: oh Kimage a mythical place once again that does not (laughs) exist but I'll just humour the prof but that is it for this week so make sure you check out all of our sponsors: Lancer, Credit Ocean, Electrical, and of course, come down for a point in the four props from 6 p.m. onwards. That is it. See you there. Keep
0: on hooping. See. Ya. Oh, garbage dump. Oh, garbage dump. Why are you called a garbage dump? Oh, garbage dump. Oh, garbage dump. Why are you called a garbage dump? You could feed the world with my garbage dump. You could feed the world with my garbage dump. You could feed the world with my garbage dump. That sums it up in one big lump. When you all live on the road And you think sometimes you're starving Get on off that trip, my friend Just get in them cans and start carving Oh, garbage dump, my garbage dump Why are you called my garbage dump? Garbage dump, my garbage dump